1: okay everybody hi um hmm. it welcome to the uh, like tentative future for you where i bounce around nervously because christine isn't here Um, as you can tell, it's already not going hot. So what we're doing while Christine is away, she had her lovely little baby. Um, it's been on, it's on Instagram now, so we can talk about it. Uh, her name is Leona Renee and I'll catch you up in a second with that. But, uh, Christine officially had Leona. The baby is now more of a priority than me. It doesn't hurt at all. And how we are going to do this while Christine is on maternity leave is for the next several episodes, I will be having people from Christine's life join me in lieu of Christine. So who knows how this is going to go. But if it's clunky, it might be funny or else, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Starting off hot because this is the person I... uh, trust the most with this show, because she is basically in charge of the show all the way through behind the scenes, Uh, we have Eva on today.
2: Hi! Yay! Yeah! Oh my gosh. Uh,
1: Thank you for coming on and keeping things from being so awkward for the rest of time.
2: Oh, listen, I can't promise not awkward, but I can promise that I'm here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So um, Eva is going to be here for the first uh, month of episodes while christine's yeah. gone yes yeah okay. i
2: have four four topics i'm already researching got one today ah! and yeah oh my so gosh fun. i'm excited to be here but yeah definitely i have all of my like christine accoutrement i have my headband i lit a <laughs> candle
1: <laughs> also in very christine form it's like you have been welcomed into this uh today this is like gonna be old news by the time this comes out but yes as we're recording right now, Eva just said, like, oh, do you, do you realize that I think they found out who the Zodiac Killer is? So um, wild. And, of course, Christina's not here to, like, catch us up on, like... (laughs) To help us! (laughs) Like, we were trying to piece it together, but our, like, in-house expert on this is not here to, like, tell us what we should and shouldn't remember from the last time we talked about this. Mm -hmm. So, uh, our guess is as good as yours, folks.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was so wild. It was, like, as I was hitting, like, join the Zoom, I was just telling um, my... So, my friends, to throw it back to, like all the way back to what when we first met i think one of the first things i said in my interview was please hire me i'm already part of a trial crew and you guys were like what the fuck is a trial crew <laughs>
1: Oh, and I was like, it's yes. my okay. was now, t- now tell everyone else what a trial crew is.
2: Yes. So trial crew is my friend, a few of my friends who they together for a long time had been watching, listening, talking to talk each other about true crime. And then I joined them when I moved back to LA. And as I was clicking into the zoom, I saw my trial crew group chat just like blowing up and was like, <laughs> Zodiac, Zodiac, Zodiac. And I was like, oh we gotta we gotta look at this before we were literally like moments of as it was happening
1: (laughs) it was uh it was a a wake-up call of like oh christina's not here so the best people are going to get in terms of true crime uh recollection is going to be me and whatever you can provide which it sounds like you are already more up there than me with being part of a crew so (laughs) i'm glad that you're you're here (laughs) but like when uh other people start coming on like let's say like because we have some uh, family members coming on to the show in lieu of Christine. Mm-hmm. If on that day the Zodiac killer is here, like, is there's news about that? Is here? We're he in trouble. Is one of the guests? <laughs> <ones. laughs> Actually, that would be pretty groundbreaking. So I, no offense, Eva, but if the Zodiac Killer were to rise from the dead and be a, a host, I would consider having to, you know, let you go for the day.
2: So. Listen, I would, I would happily defer. Happily? That's not the right word, but I would defer to... The, the hesitantly, zodiac, it, hesitantly. Hesitantly because would, of the murder. I would have but. you have your finger
1: on the 911 button the
2: whole correct, time. Correct,
1: correct. So, okay. So let's talk about Christine because she's not here. <laughs> yes. That's all I've ever wanted, a podcast where I can just say whatever I want and she's not here to stop me. <laughs> this, is the, this is the baby news. Um, mm-hmm. You're already aware of some of it, yes? Yes. Uh, about, uh, so I'm not going to go into detail on the actual birth experience because mm-hmm. uh, all I'll say is it was rough and she's good wow. now. We're all happy, but it was not like a, oh, the baby fell out. Like it was like a an experience. So um, I will let Christine tell that story if she chooses to. But the baby is uh, Leona Renee. Um, Renee was, uh, Leona is named after her father-in-law Blaze's dad. And Renee is a combo of, her best friend Renee and Renata. So, so cute. Um, Gio, for the big update that every, including <laughs> me, I was, I thought Gio was going to try to eat this baby.
2: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: Do you remember when she brought home the cats for the first time, Eva?
2: Oh, yeah. Cause I when I first started working for you both, and I think it was like one of the first times that I went to Christine's house to record with you, mm-hmm. um, it was right when she had gotten um, Junie. Right. And Junie was just like the tiniest little nugget. And he was in a specific room because Gio was like, well, and he was also like, I mean, he loved you, Junie. He was like on your (laughs) back. Super sweet.
1: This cat, I like, I feel like we don't talk about it enough. Um, But this cat almost was not here (laughs) because Gio was so prepared to like, not in a cute way, like wanted to violently kill this cat yeah and um so i was nervous seeing like her bring home a human baby i was like well, how what is he gonna do this time but apparently the second that geo's eyes met this little baby he has been so obsessed christine thinks that oh. geo thinks they brought him a baby <gasps> Um, Wait, so that's I'll,
2: adorable.
1: Sho- I'll show you a picture that I said, I would show you the picture on uh, when we were on the air.
2: Oh, I love that. Oh my um, gosh.
1: So I'll send it to you. But apparently yeah. he is like, and we'll put this out for, uh, we'll put this on our Instagram. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. so everyone can see how precious this picture is. Um, okay. I just sent it to you. He apparently sleeps under her bassinet. Um, He, anytime she (gasps) moves at all, he freaks out because he wants to make sure she's okay.
2: What? Sorry, I have to get my phone to look at this closer. I I was was like, on my computer, I was like, I need to zoom in on this.
1: Yeah, it's the sweetest picture. So it's Gio. He literally has, it's like a, like, it, right at a lady in the tramp or something, there's like oh. these little paws sticking over a bassinet and Geo looking in and just staring her down. He's obsessed with her. When I facetimed oh. Christine with the baby, Geo kept licking her little feet. It was very sweet. Oh my gosh. And I don't think this dog has ever been as in love with anything than with this baby. So oh
2: my God, I'm like gonna cry a little bit. It's like so it, adorable.
1: It was very unexpected for everybody. I think you and Christine was like, we don't know how this is going to go. But it's she's he's also part pit bull, and so I, aren't they known as like the nanny dogs? They're supposed to be super protective of kids. That's what so. I thought
2: too. Yeah, that they can be very protective.
1: So there you have it. So anyway, that's the update on the little baby. She's also uh, not that we need to be talking about, you know, her body weight or anything. But fun fact, yeah. she is. Uh, seven pounds eleven ounces, seven eleven. So Christine 7'11. said, Christine said we hope that she's going to have free Slurpees for the rest of the time. So,
2: <laughs> if that's not a rule, it definitely should be.
1: <laughs> um, and that's all we know about the baby so far. Um, Christine said that she is currently she has not lost any sleep yet because the baby sleeps forever. But apparently, wow. after like one or two weeks, the baby starts uh, getting a little more like. It becomes more problematic to your sleep schedule after gotcha. a week or so of the baby. So gotcha.
2: that's what we know. Oh my Eva. gosh, adorable! I love it so much, and I love that two of us that like don't know anything about babies are like.
1: <laughs> <I know laughs> Let's talk about, about baby bab- steps. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about babies. Also, like that baby looks so much like Christina. Blows my mind. That's like a little carbon copy of her.
2: Oh. Um,
1: okay, so, so there's so there's the baby update for everybody, and. Yeah. For the millionth time, Eva, I thank you so much for coming on here and, like, taking over Christine's position because if I had to do this by myself, I think people would realize very quickly that I'm actually not very charming because (laughs) there would be no one to, like... (laughs) like have a cute back and forth with, it'd just be me talking and it'd be very uncomfortable for all of us. So thank you.
2: Oh my gosh. Well, I appreciate it, but I also disagree. I think you're very charming and I'm just happy to be here and help out. Eva, I I
1: pay you. So like, you can't (laughs) just walk around and tell me I'm charming. I I know what this is about. I know. (laughs)
0: an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure, you know, it'll work in your garden. Um, They have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac and so I thought, you know what, perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's gonna smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply.
1: Eva, would you like to hear a spooky story?
2: I would. I would love nothing
1: more. And a spooky story that you don't have to edit. This, you could just listen.
2: <laughs> My God, what a time. What, what a, a time. time to be alive.
1: <laughs> okay, so this is um, a possession case. Ooh. And this is the story of Elizabeth Knapp. Ooh, okay. Knapp um, with a K, not nap like what I do all the time. So.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, yeah
1: in so this is in the 1670s and this is in uh groton massachusetts i can't believe i forgot to like look up the pronunciation it's either groton or groton i think groton someone Um, will tell us (laughs) someone will certainly tell us it was like the massachusetts bay colony during puritan times um it's 32 miles from boston and i I want to emphasize that this is the 1670s because it was 20 years before the Salem Witch Trials. Oh, my God. So just that will be useful later. So very old. Very old. Yes. Yes. Um, So the story, the reason we know about it today is because it was very well documented for its time by one of the Puritan preachers in the area named Reverend Samuel Willard
2: got it. I'm picturing him as Fred Willard and nothing else now. Uh,
1: you know, it would be wrong if you didn't. <laughs> um his the story that he wrote um so his account of it. I think I talked about this a, a couple episodes ago, but it's so weird to me how like any account from the 1600s or any like story or headline, they're not trying to be flowery with a short headline. They just Pretty much give you a log line. That's the headline. <laughs> and so the basically a log line for this account that he wrote was called A Brief Account of a Strange and Unusual Providence of God befallen to Elizabeth Knapp of Groton, Massachusetts in the sixteen seventies. So, they were like
2: TLDR up front. We've gotta <laughs> get it out there. <laughs>
1: That's exactly what it was. It was like, are you interested or are you not?
2: They were like, life expectancy
1: is shorter. We got to get this out. <laughs> but if it, life expectancy is shorter, then that should have literally been one fucking word. and you just, <laughs> That's true. You could see it from different. There's different perspectives on that. That's a good point. Uh, so he went on. He ended up uh, after this account with the longest headline ever. Mm-hmm. He ended up sending it to his friend, another Puritan minister, Cotton Mather. Oh, I know that name, but I forget why. Uh same here. You'd think I would have looked that up. Isn't he he was involved in the witch trials? I think so, right? Maybe that's why. I think that's why too. I think he i f- that feels correct to me. What was he famous for? Pamphlets. One of the most, I I we are on the same Google document because it says he's known for pamphlets. Oh, and really? I, yes. I just guessed. I didn't look it up. Oh, you're psychic hang on that was it literally is like he is a puritan minister and an author of pamphlets (laughs) okay just knew whatever i mean you you apparently your heart knows more than i do with my own amount of knowledge so uh so we sent uh he sent the notes over to cotton mather who then later published the account a separate time which i think is when it got really popular and people Uh really heard about the story okay um so the reason that Reverend Samuel slash Fred Willard was able to document this case is because the person that was possessed is one of his own servants.
2: <gasps> Ooh, twist. I know. Already. Love it.
1: So her name is Elizabeth. She was 16 years old. Oh, and she's so young. Uh, she was babe. She's a little babe. And... Fred Willard slash Samuel Willard <laughs> documented her case from October 30th, 1671 to January 12th, 1672. So it was only three months-ish, two and a half months of, uh, of note-taking. Uh, and things officially, I, I'm pretty sure, started at Elizabeth Knapp's home. And I say I'm pretty sure because there were some versions of the story that made it seem like everything happened under his roof when she was working for him. But she did go home at night. Um, She didn't live there. So a few versions I saw were that she is having most of the stuff happen in her own home. And because he happened to know her since she worked for him, but he was a Creature is why he was involved
2: in this. Instead, if got that makes it. Sense. Got it. Were they like, like? Did she live on his property, or did they li- they live separately?
1: She lived with her parents, so I don't oh, actually know the okay. the distance of like the walk between the houses. But it sounds like she had her own property. She was going home to her. her got own it. Parents. Got it. He, I guess, was just writing everything down. He was like, "This could be useful one day," <laughs> and uh, for a podcast. <laughs> for a podcast, you know, he he was a sharp one back in the 1670s. <laughs> he, uh, the first, uh, event, I guess that he wrote down was, like I said, October 30th, the day before Halloween. Mm. And, uh, she was sitting by the fire and out of nowhere, she has a quote, violent fit. Um, Ooh. get, get ready to hear that phrase a lot. Cause that's just all over the place. So she has this violent fit She's screaming that her leg hurts and then her chest hurts. And as these body parts are hurting, she's grabbing them and, like, Ooh. kind of thr- thrashing around. And then she grabs her own throat and she says that she's being <gasps> strangled. Oh, geez. So zero to 60.
2: Yeah, I don't love that it feels like it's moving throughout her body, too. You know, like, spreading. I hadn't even thought about that, yeah. but do feels scary. It feels like the opposite of, like, you know, those, like like, headspace, like, go-to-sleep type things where they're like, imagine your body slowly falling asleep from your toes to your ankles to your... Find me a, on ASMR.com.
1: Instead of the gravity blanket starting at your toes and go, working up to your shoulders, imagine it's a demonic hand strangling you from beyond.
2: <laughs> that's the spooky headspace of going to sleep. It's like, can you imagine a ghost clawing your body all the
1: way up? <laughs> okay, but that's, that is something I would at least listen to
2: while I'm not trying to go to sleep just out of curiosity. So oh my gosh, do we get a TM in this episode? A TM TM. No one take that. We're gonna do it.
1: Um sure. TM TM. If um yeah, if your headspace or calm or any of those apps and you want like a complete opposite version of what you do as like a <laughs> Halloween special, we'll narrate it. So um so her eyes apparently also roll back into her head and Ooh. she I think passes out i think she like collapses oh no um even creepier and one of the versions i read is when she came to she's now laughing
2: oh giggling oh i don't love that
1: and then she falls back asleep so like she only comes to just to giggle and then and then falls back away
2: oh that's way worse i mean i guess it's kind of like if you have like a sleep Type, no. Like, tr- no, no, you're
1: right. Worse. You're right. Let's not <laughs> rationalize it. It's terrifying. I, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but it's wrong. So <laughs> it is incorrect. It's terror. It is pure terror. <laughs> so um, interesting enough, uh, one of the things that freaks me out the most about Allison when she sleeps is that there are, are times where she will wake up out of nowhere just to, like have a quick interaction and then fall <gasps> back asleep. No. But it's always the. It's like it's very sweet, I think. It could also be (laughs) demonic, I'm unsure. It feels demonic when it's happening, but in hindsight it's cute. That I think she thinks it's not the middle of the night and, like, she, like, fell asleep watching a TV show or something. Oh, Because she, like, she clearly wakes up to, like, try to prove to me that she's still awake. Like, no one's asking for her to be awake. (laughs) But she, with not opening her eyes and checking the environment first, that it, like, it's pitch black, we're in the clear, you can be (laughs) asleep. She'll all of a sudden try to sound like she is not sleeping <laughs> oh it's very jarring because out of nowhere I'll be like lying next to her in bed and I'm just like on my phone minding my own business and all of a sudden I'll just hear
2: hello <laughs> Oh, that's no. At first I was like, oh, that's cute because she clearly like wants to be with you and present with you so much that she's trying to be like, hi, I'm still here. But also to hear that in the the pitch black dead of night. No, thank you. It's the
1: worst. It's the worst. She really is like, it's clear that she's trying to like prove like I'm awake. And it's like, you just outed yourself about not being awake because no (laughs) one was talking to you. And there are also times where like you could continually catch her in this because she'll just go, hi. And I'll... I'll look at her and go, hi, are you having a good dream right now? And she goes, yes, I am. (laughs) She's
2: like, goodbye.
1: It's like you painted yourself into a corner here. Everyone knows you're actually asleep. Go back to bed. (laughs)
2: Does she ever remember that in the morning?
1: No, she does not believe me. and But it happens so rarely that it's not like I can film it and guarantee every night it's going to happen. Right. But it's, like, almost like a sleepwalking, but with only her mouth, like, just sleep-talking. Only her mouth sleepwalking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not actually sleep-talking where I get a full conversation out of her, but it's just, like, bursts of a conversation. And I'm just like, whoa, we were not doing that.
2: Yeah, the energy of it is very, like, bleh. It's very
1: jarring when it's pitch black and you just hear, Hello. <laughs> It's very awful.
2: No, I would pee the bed. Yes, so,
1: yes. A thousand percent. So, um, Anyway, so this girl, much like Allison, is just kind of like waking up to like laugh in your face and then go back to sleep.
2: Um,
1: also, if you are dating anyone that does that, my condolences. Uh, she might also
2: be possessed, so get ready. <laughs> just go through your options. There are a couple different things that might be happening. Uh,
1: the next day after she like has this like convulsion and says that she's like, being grabbed and stuff uh the next day she is apparently acting super weird and pe- her family's like trying to read her behavior but they're not totally sure what's going on she goes down to the cellar and for some reason they hear her scream she sprints oh, no. upstairs and she says that she saw two men down there
2: Ew, no i like that less i think than the laughing
1: two men in oh. the dark basement Hmm. I I don't know how to compare them in my head, but I hate
2: both. (laughs) Correct. Yes. They're both correctly (laughs) terrible. Hmm.
1: (laughs) They neither are what I want to watch. Um, Certainly not. Well, so apparently the family goes down to the basement and they try to see what it was and they see nobody there. So this is like apparently the first version of her hallucinating or the first account of her hallucinating. I saw from only one source that there was another time she hallucinated that one of these men was Floating over her bed while she was sleeping, Ew, while she was laughing. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I I feel like that's not a laughing matter. But that's how you know there's a real problem if she was enjoying what was happening. Yeah, you know, yeah. If she was giggling to it. Um. Soon, eventually, these quote violent fits are like happening all the fizzucking time. She's thr- thrashing around and she's screaming. Which, uh, what Reverend Willard says her screams represented, quote, a dark semblance of hellish torture. Ooh. So I guess she's screaming pretty awfully. Um, And they were, some of the things that she was screaming allegedly, like, were, like, made no sense. Apparently she would scream out, like, money, or she would scream out sin. And, like, it, it was, like, weird words, which we'll talk about more in a little bit. But as she's, like, screaming about her legs, she's just, like, shouting out, words like that question
2: yeah do you think at the time she was just trying to prove that she was awake because those were words like sit like i feel like sin was thrown oh. around a lot back there she's just like hi i'm here sin yeah you're talking about that that
1: you know what actually that's a very like allison thing of like i'm trying to prove i am here so uh <laughs> yeah. hmm, puritan culture what were we talking about sin you know? <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> i'm here it's like i have not left the conversation <laughs> i'm still here uh, during some of these fits, apparently, here's where she this differs, she was so unnaturally strong that apparently three to four people couldn't hold her down.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Now she's more than a, a part of the conversation. She is the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you say that.
1: She is part of the, you
2: nailed it. She's She is the log line now. <laughs> They're like, oh, no, we were talking about general sin, but now we're talking about your sin. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were
1: ta- we were talking about like our groceries, but like, <laughs> yeah, you, we can talk about you. So <laughs> one of the Very times selfish that she, of her, <laughs> it, honestly, that's the same, you know. Um. So one of the times that she was convulsing like this, she seemingly was like throwing herself closer and closer to the fireplace oh, as Jesus. she was like her body was twisting. It seemed like it was. An intentional moving closer and closer to the fire, and her parents had to, like,
2: pull her away from hurting herself. Ooh, okay. That's, yeah, taking a turn. That's awful.
1: And uh, in either during her, like, whatever these violent fits are, or immediately after, she is more frequently starting to laugh. And sometimes the laugh turns into hysterics where she, like, can't even get off the floor.
2: Oh, jeez. Super
1: creepy. So uh, only three days later, by the way, that's it's really escalated very fast. Only three days later, uh, Reverend Willard hears about this, and uh, he, I guess, in one version, I saw that, like, the dad had gone to his house and said, like, oh, she's sick, and she's not going to come in for a while, and so then he came to check on her. In a different version, I saw that, like, he knew earlier that it was, like, some sort of, like, I don't know if it, if he thought it was a possession or I don't know what the deal is, but he found out in a different location and came to check on her, um, I guess, to see if he could like pray over her or something. Mm. And this is where Elizabeth Knapp, she tells him, by the way, remember, this is her boss and also the town preacher, kind of like yeah. a, a man of authority here. So, like, be careful yeah. with your words. She says for the last three years, she has been having run-ins with the devil. Oh,
2: okay. Three years?
1: Three years. Wow. And I guess he had, the devil, had approached her in many forms. He, She had seen him as a little boy. She'd seen him as a grown man. She had Ooh. seen him as a black dog with its eyes on its <gasps> back.
2: Ew, on its back!
1: Yeah. Oh no, that's Ooh. like... Hmm, I don't know how to feel. Like, if if Christine were here, she'd go. I don't love that.
2: No, I don't either. <laughs> it almost reminds me of like one of the most like like I don't. I love like. The Hocus Pocus. And, like, I don't get too, too scary in terms of scary movies. But one time I watched Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth? No. Yes. The
1: the one in the eyes. The the, hands.
2: The hands got me. Like, I still, to this day, will wake up. That and twin certain scenes of Twin Peaks. Like, there are certain things that just stuck it. You know the things that stick in your mind. And you're like, I just sometimes will see the hand eyes. And I'm like, I can't.
1: Pan's Labyrinth eyes also really got me. It blew my mind the first time I ever saw it. Okay. So, anyway. Wow. We really. Where were we? The dog. uh, Oh, the dog. The black dog with eyes on his back. Which, by yes. the way, does that mean like shoulders this way or his back like up to the sun? Like, where are his eyes pointing? Oh, yeah, where the ew, or like a fish that has him off to the side. Is that what you're saying? Like, yeah, like uh, I don't know. It's all bad. Whew. Wow. Oh, Look, I was worried we wouldn't find tangents, and I forgot I was hanging <laughs> out with the person that I like have the most <laughs> tangents with. Okay, so um, to catch everyone up, so. F- Uh, not Fred Willard you fucked me up on this Sam Willard Samuel Willard uh, he decides that he's going to visit she says she's had a run in with the devil and he keeps showing up in multiple forms including that creepy dog apparently the devil uh, kept coming to her over these years offering her quote money youth ease of labor and the ability to see the world
2: oh those are so like specific and yeah I mean I would want all of those I guess (laughs)
1: It's, it feels like someone offering me a timeshare, like try to sell me like a <laughs> yes. slot, you know, in the Bahamas. The devil's timeshare is just like. The, the devil's timeshare. There it is. So um, in return, if he were to give her all these things, what is expected of her for the Ooh. devil? Okay. She would be making a pact with him and she would make it official, this deal, by signing in blood in a book that he showed her that apparently had other previous women's names in it. Okay. So it was uh, this book that apparently other people had already made a deal. Their names are signed in blood. She too should sign and make a deal with the devil. Uh, Elizabeth Knapp said that she wouldn't make the deal with the devil, but he kept coming back, and that's why she had seen him so many times in the last couple of years because he keeps trying to convince her... <laughs> it's he's like one of those door-to-door salesmen or something but he it's can you imagine being the devil and like a (laughs) woman's just like "Mm, no and like for three for three years you just keep like
2: like bombarding her it's the one that got away honestly (laughs) that makes it so much more romantic (laughs) i mean it's a little romance with the devil but i was also thinking too what was i just thinking that like in terms of like because I was waiting for, like, oh, yeah, and if you sign your name, what do you have to give? It is funny that, like, just the act of signing it is so scary. I wonder if that was, like, a Puritan culture thing of, like, oh, even yeah. just the idea of making a deal with the devil and, like, possibly having something to – it's probably – what I, maybe it's the thing of, like, you would have to give something at a later date that you don't know about, right? Right, maybe? right. But, like, well, also,
1: in Puritan culture, they were, like, super religious, right? So I imagine if anything yeah. – if the fact that she's even talking to the devil was, like – Enough. True. She was like, I'm out. Yeah. Get
2: your so, the letter.
1: Apparently yeah. Well, apparently she felt so tempted. She never signed the contract, Ooh. but she did feel tempted. And I guess after a while of him being around her, he was starting to like lure her in. And eventually she admitted she was even coming home late from work so that her and the devil could walk around with each <gasps> other at night. Oh wait, that's romantic again. This feels a little like they're about <sighs> to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> are we about to kiss right now oh my god what's happening she said that her encounters with the devil were usually more sporadic but in the last few days when she's been having all these violent fits She was now seeing him in every room. So he, thinking more on like this like salesman tactic, I feel like he had a quota he needed to hit and he's now (laughs) coming to the house every day. Like, hello, your car's extended warranty. Are you kidding me? (laughs) He's like, the higher ups are breathing down my neck. (laughs) (laughs) Who would the devil's higher up be? Hmm. (laughs) She also said uh, the devil had been tempting her not only into like hanging out with him and like, you know, just become pals i guess the devil had also tempted her to kill her parents Uh, and her neighbors oh god and the willard's children when she was working there and drown herself in the well
2: oh my god so many things that's not ease of labor devil
1: (laughs) that you know he is tricky he's tricky (laughs) going back on his word i guess sneaky sneaky devil so (laughs) what one one time he even sorry christine earmuffs i don't know if you're ready for this he the devil told her to throw reverend willard's baby in the fire
2: oh no um
1: quote in the fire on the hearth and into the oven
2: oh levels of fire i guess that makes sense the devil and hell He's like, fire. as long
1: as there's flames, I'm happy, I guess, is the devil. Yikes. Um. And then he even tried to convince her to kill the reverend in his sleep while she was there. Which, okay. like, at what point was, I don't, I guess she was a servant, so maybe he'd, like, go to bed and, and she would still be working. But yeah. um, one version of him trying to get her to kill the reverend, one version even said that she was in a trance about to actually kill the reverend, but oh. she didn't know what she was doing. And luckily the Reverend actually hadn't gone to bed yet. So he ran into her on the stairs and woke her up and she had a hook in her hand Ew, a hook like, ready to kill him. And Yikes. she apparently he didn't know that there was a hook in her hand. Like the devil was still with her enough that he like hid the hook when he showed up. So Ooh. she later admitted like, Oh, I had a hook with me. You just didn't see it.
2: Oh shit. Ooh. Um, she
1: also said that anytime she was laughing really creepily or um if when she was having those like violent fits if if people asked about them she would kind of like neglect to answer. And she was saying that the reasons this was happening is because the del- the devil was trying to cover up his visits. So she would just, like, out of nowhere start laughing just to, like, redirect attention to the fact that the devil had been there. Oh,
2: my God, literally trying to come back into the conversation from, yes. like, something, I mean, not sleep maybe, maybe possession. Yeah, but...
1: You were onto something, though, because that's... Ooh very true she was just like ha, ha, ha. anyway <laughs> hi, hi hello help me <laughs> <laughs> so um Yikes. i guess after reverend willard heard about all this he was like okay so we should get a bunch of preachers in here and maybe help you pray um uh-huh. and calsipree is nothing helped so yep. when reverend willard tried to pray with her apparently she was either completely silent or she would still shout things like money because apparently to answer the question of why these were the things that the devil had promised her. Uh, so okay. it was almost like, I guess the devil was screaming to her. Like, don't forget. Like if you stay like, don't let these prayers, uh, uh you know, s- sway you over to the other side. Mm-hmm. Like stay with me. Cause you'll have money and you'll have all these other great things. Interesting. It also <clears> makes me
2: <throat> think too, that like money does like can sometimes lead to ease of labor so maybe it was like it started with money where he was like you'll get all these things because yeah. you yeah be a servant anymore you'll have money you could do these things yeah
1: i huh. that's the great point actually uh eventually <laughs> the reverend's also like let's get a doctor in here just in case and so <laughs> i mean
2: smart yeah
1: so i do want to say like let's remember like what's interesting about this case before the salem witch trials is that this is being handled kind of more scientifically and logically than the witch trials are only 20 mm. years later. Where he's like, Okay, let's get a bunch of priests in here, let's get doctors in here, let's take notes of everything that's going on. Oh wow. It's very different than what happens only 20 years later. So Yeah, that's
2: a really good point because like, wasn't a lot of this kind of thing like a reason to kill? women and people that were like outside the norm then during the witch trials
1: it was much more like blind accusation based yeah 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 so when the doctor came to examine her uh his best guess was that she had foul fumes in her stomach that were rising through her body and going to her brain
2: oh my god foul fumes
1: imagine if your little belly fumes were hitting you in the brain so hard that you're possessed by the
2: devil like oh, it's oh I'm trying to that think you're of imagining like, you know I'm trying to think of like what would cause like the, what's the there's like a Taco joke in yeah I was like what's the one there's somewhere someone like, in there there's a joke oh,
1: in there yeah it's the, either Chipotle or Taco Bell every time
2: or the Subway tuna that's not tuna that we all ate on tour <laughs> we were really brave a few times on
1: tour I there I sometimes think about like why on earth did I go to a gas station and get tuna sandwiches? Like what, what was what was I hoping would happen?
2: We felt invincible.
1: We really did. Oh, poor Eva and I. We really bonded over. Um, when did we get sick?
2: Wait, the Philly cheesesteaks. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and to be fair to anyone in Philly, it was not like one of the like main places that suggested to you. We were no. like near we were near the venue and we were like we just on principle we want a philly cheesesteak let's just go to the next place we see that offers one (laughs) and you and i look i was nervous that i wasn't going to be able to make it on stage because we ate that like what two hours before we were going to perform What we were so stupid
2: it was pretty yeah and i realized there was i feel like there was a moment i can't remember what it was but i feel like there was one specific moment i remember where we like locked eyes and we were like did that rock your fucking body (laughs) because it did to mine (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Eva, I remember we looked at each other. I had that. You're We're right, like, that oh, I, no. I can tell you from my perspective, I was also in that moment with you. <laughs> I remember we looked at each other, and I was like, "We don't have to. We don't even have to get <laughs> into detail. We know what happened. We <laughs> both know what happened. It was not good."
2: Um, oh God, the bathroom drama at the end. <laughs> I'm, I'm still
1: willing to have more Philly cheese sticks, but certainly not from there. Um, no no so uh hmm how do we
2: get back to where we were wow that one yeah that one the segue back is just gonna be real difficult for you <laughs> oh yeah fumes from the stomach, oh, fumes right. from the stomach. Fumes. that's what it, it was yes.
1: indeed that also <laughs> fucked up my brain and for all you know i was laughing nervously just like she was so listen
2: we had the devil in us and we
1: had to go through <laughs> a lot to get it out it's too
0: graphic. We can cut that out.
1: We don't have to. It's it's the truth. I I don't want to be ashamed of my truth.
2: Listen. So
1: um. Ooh. So speaking. So she had fumes to her stomach. Period. That's how we could have ended this, and we just chose not to. Can not relate. <laughs> so um. Elizabeth Knapp was sent home for a while. Which like first of all can first of all can you blame her like. Can you tell the doctor if the doctor's like my best guess is she has an upset stomach, but like this is kind of wild what's going on. Just send her home.
2: Yeah, get out of here. Go lay down.
1: Yeah, so she went back to her parents house, got some nice PTO, I guess, and she her symptoms continued. She kept getting into violent fits. Um, I guess for a while there were less and less of them, but they were still pretty violent Um, when they did show up. And with one of the fits, she was forced into silence. She started saying using this a lot in her storyline that she was forced into silence where, like, the devil it, who was inside of her, it felt as if her tongue was, like, tied up and, like, couldn't Ooh. actually move, so she couldn't speak. Oh, gosh, that's so scary. During another violent fit, six people couldn't hold her down. Oh, uh, God. I think at this point, the doctor was like, I don't know, man. Like, (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Just, you know, good luck. Um, And there were days where she, quote, barked like a dog or bleated like a calf. Bleated, I didn't know was a word. Um, And there was one violent fit that lasted 48 hours.
2: Oh, geez. Like, like her physical fit? Like she was like. Yeah. Talk about exhausting. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. Imagine waking up after that. You'd have the worst hangover ever. Also, like, shout out
1: to anyone who, like genuinely has to deal with, like, having convulsions or something. I, can't, Yes. They're, like, only – I don't know much about them, but they only last a certain amount of time and you're exhausted afterwards. Like, a 48-hour yeah. one, I think, would feel like it's going to kill you.
2: Yeah. I remember there was a listener story a few listeners episodes ago that I just – it. I feel like I picked it because, like, my I felt so bad for this patient, too, that was, like, having different seizures and things. And, you know, I feel like there was, like, a lot of – it's that. that's really really painful and hard
1: one of my um childhood best friends she has seizures and it's i i can't it just sounds really awful so yeah um sorry if this is making any of those people feel sensitive yeah um, yeah uh after this time uh reverend willard after she's had some time off and it seems like the violent fits are like dying down Mm -hmm. um reverend willer asks elizabeth knapp for more information is like okay like Mm -hmm. are you willing to talk more about the devil like give us more intel and she says that the devil had done everything to try and convince her to sign a pact with him and he even once climbed down the chimney and sat on her chest pitching his case oh like just like i just imagine he's like crisscross applesauce on her (laughs) chest And was like so anyway here is my powerpoint and we're gonna go slide by slide why you should join me Hey, bestie. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, later that day, um, as she's telling Reverend Willard this, Elizabeth Knapp has another violent fit. And she said that the reason she's having this particular fit is because there's a witch outside trying to come into the house.
2: Oh, which is interesting, like being so soon up on the the witch trials, Mm -hmm. like that that was already in the 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 zeitgeist or whatever. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so apparently this witch looked like a dog with a woman's head. A dog with a woman's head. Okay. Which is interesting because the last one was a dog with eyes on its back. So I was just saying, and she
2: was barking like a dog too.
1: Yeah. So it feels Hmm. like it just keeps showing up as a weird dog. Hmm. Um, and nobody else apparently saw this creature, but they did say later when she said like, Oh, the witch is trying to come inside. She'll probably come through the chimney like the devil does. They did see a weird animal paw print in the fireplace later, so that was their way of being like, okay, that's valid, that I guess. Her, yeah. Um, and she said that the witch had uh, already been attacking the fireplace and bewitching her, and uh, but once she, once this witch had finally been apprehended by other people, it would all stop, and she wouldn't have to worry about the devil being inside of her.
2: Okay, wait, sorry. So once the witch is apprehended then the devil would leave her alone
1: I feel like in so I feel like what she's saying is the devil is inside of her and the a witch or someone who had already signed the pact and was working with the devil was helping bewitch her oh
2: got it got it, got it.
1: I don't totally understand um I
2: don't totally understand the witch it, was a horcrux she had to get rid of the witch then it she'd sounds be
1: it sounds like once you make a deal with the devil, then you can practice witchcraft yourself. And oh. maybe the devil who was inside of her was having other minions of his like help him go into these violent fits or something. I could see I'm that, yeah. Unsure. Gotcha. But she said, because of this witch, and you're going to understand why this is kind of confusing in a second. Once, So she said, like, oh, once you find this witch, she's trying to climb down. She's trying to get into the house. Once you stop her, then I will not have as many violent fits anymore. Got it. So, the, so Reverend Willard says, okay, who's the witch? Let's go get her. And Elizabeth Knapp uh, tells him that it's a woman in town. We don't know her name to this day because Reverend Willard knew the woman she was talking about. And said, I don't believe it. She's oh. not a witch. And then went so far in defending her as to like keep her name out of any of his notes so oh that my he, God. so that she would never get like accused of witchcraft again.
2: Wow, that's so interesting. Huh. It's the
1: exact opposite of the Salem Witch trials. Right. And it's only twenty years before that, like all you have to do is say she's a witch and people who are getting executed. But with <gasps> In this story, she was like, "She's a witch. She's part of the reason I'm like this." And the reverend was the reverend was like, "No, Nothing. next."
2: Oh my god! Thank you, next.
1: Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of one of the reasons why it's so confusing because all of a sudden she's talking about a witch and it it just kind of feels like she like just came up with this story out of nowhere. Huh. So he, what's interesting? It's like almost two. Instead of like attacking this random woman who's been accused as a witch and like sending her to jail or executing her or whatever, he finds this woman and then brings her into the house with Elizabeth Knapp. Oh, and then makes them like have a heart to heart.
2: Oh my god, hey, bestie again.
1: <laughs> it's like a little too full housey for me.
2: Wow, um, that's so interesting. And apparently, so there's
1: some versions of the story where this happened twice where there were two different women she accused, and the reverend had to like bring them in to like help elizabeth knapp recant her accusation wow um but so they end up having a one-on-one and eventually uh elizabeth is elizabeth knapp is like no never mind She not she's not a witch
0: oh <laughs> so, she's like i like
2: her now and i don't she, I, hopefully she's okay we cleared the air we
1: cleared yeah the air. so a few days later elizabeth knapp has a new confession so that she actually did sign the devil's book <gasps> And had oh. been lying the whole time. Oh, no. Was it like
2: that she was manipulated or she like wanted to do it
1: or what did, did she? So the so one day she saw a man in a meadow walking towards her, who I guess is the devil. OK. Um, he showed her the book, I guess, for like the thousandth time and finally convinced her to sign it. And she said she didn't know how to write. So she couldn't sign the book but Aww. he said, "Oh, well, let me get your blood and dip the pen in that and then I'll direct your hand for you." So he guided oh, her signature. Jeez. Apparently, when she signed the pact, it was for 7 years, 1 year yeah. of her being faithful for 6 years of him serving her with like money and oh, okay. Youth and all this. Um, but for that 1 year to be faithful to him, she would have to be a witch.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: She did not want to be a witch. But he showed her hell during this conversation and said, if you are not faithful to me, you will go here.
2: Oh, yikes. Okay.
1: Also an interesting time to mention that Elizabeth Knapp uh, then has sex with the devil. Okay. Also her hesitancy to practice witchcraft is apparently why he keeps tormenting her. Um, Okay. So Hmm. even though she had signed the book, the reason that he keeps showing up is because she won't actually do what she's supposed to do in this deal.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, She admitted that the devil would appear most often when she was unhappy with her life and when work got overwhelming, which, like, sure, I feel like we've all had a rough day and we're like, ugh, just take me now. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So uh, during these times, she would feel a very strong pull to practice witchcraft when she was, Hmm. like, overwhelmed at work which like I feel like is a lot of people these days but in a more open liberal setting right like like I'm
2: gonna go get some crystals and a candle and yep
1: I'm gonna you know do my little rituals Mm -hmm. get all the bad energy out of here Uh, she after she uh, admits to all of this that she's actually does have a pact with the devil she then goes into more violent fits she's forced into Mm. silence again and this time she's now spitting and scratching and laughing if she successfully hurts anyone oh Jesus okay also, during these violent fits was now being silent again, and her head seemed to be forcibly shaken no when asked if she would repent for her sins.
2: Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's very, I feel like, yeah, Puritan-y, witch trial like, very yeah. visual of that time.
1: Very visual. Like, her body was, like, twisting, and it seemed like it wasn't up Ooh, to her.
2: Kind of like, yeah, classic possession
1: mm-hmm. imagery, yeah. too. Bingo, bingo. So this next part I think, I don't know where it happened. It could have happened at her parents' house or it could have happened at the Willard's house. I feel like I saw two different accounts of that. Um, but although she couldn't speak, uh, she's in a violent fit and the devil, quote, began drawing her tongue out of her mouth, <gasps> most, <gasps> most frightfully to an extraordinary length. Ooh. And then vocally in her, he railed calling these people rogues and charging them for folly in going to hear a black rogue who told them nothing but a parcel of lies so okay. so he's like calling out her parents or whoever is is next to her saying that uh they the black rogue here is the is the preacher, I guess because he was wearing black
2: oh okay
1: um. And so they charging them for folly for listening to the preacher who's telling them nothing but lies. Got okay.
2: But like his voice so her tongue was fully it's like a classic
1: out. a classic demonic situation where like it's a voice coming out of her body but she's not speaking it and she's not move like her mouth isn't Ooh, moving. Got it. Yeah. I think yeah, her tongue was like hanging out. Ooh. Which like also goes to prove that like she wasn't saying these things like, cause her tongue would be needed. Right. She
2: physically couldn't.
1: Yeah. Right. So um, hearing all of this, Reverend Willard is basically talking back to this creature and uh, says that he can hear animal growls coming from her. The voice was really deep and hollow. Her lips were not moving. So like, this was not her. And he knew he was talking to the devil. So Mm -hmm. he responds to this voice by saying, uh, or no, he doesn't respond yet. The uh, When he hears about this and rushes in to be like, who was talking in that voice? I guess Elizabeth Knapp slash the devil looks at him and goes, oh, you are a great rogue.
2: And rogue. I, I'm not
1: sure what rogue means. Rogue. <laughs> I, I Rogue with an A, which is weird too.
2: Oh, with an A. Maybe that's like a British spelling. I only know from Rogue One, which was one of my favorite new Star Wars movies. But I feel like that one is like, about, like, someone who goes against... Like, gone the norm. rogue. Yes, like, right, yeah, like, gone out of, yeah. Well, because I... So, I I
1: don't know what rogue means, because all I... I just looked it up... Um, I just looked it up a second time, too, while I'm with you, and the definition hasn't changed in 24 hours, by the way. <laughs> got it, got um, it. But <laughs> it just means, like, a vagrant or a... Oh, a dishonest person. So maybe hmm. that's what it means, like, a liar. Okay. Um, but whatever. He keeps calling them rogues. Hmm. Um... So he sees Reverend Willard goes, oh, you are a great rogue. And mm. Willard, now talking to the devil, replies, I observed not of her organs to move. The voice is hollow as if it issued out of her mouth. And he then again called me a great black rogue. And I challenged him to make it appear. But all to like mm. to show himself.
2: Oh, oh, oh gotcha. Um,
1: but all that the devil replied with was, you tell the people a company of lies.
2: Oh, And so...
1: Reverend Willard said, Satan, thou, thou art a liar and a deceiver, and God will vindicate his own truth one day. And the devil says, I'm, I don't know what this means, everybody. I don't know what this means. Uh-oh. The devil said, I am not Satan. I am a pretty black boy, oh. and this is my pretty no. girl, and I've been here a great while. Oh, 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 that... I don't know what that means, and I hate it because I don't know what it means. Yeah, seems, like,
2: problematic and maybe, like, really loaded in terms of, I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of different things.
1: Yes. Um, I don't know what it means. I kept thinking, uh, like, black was, like, because he kept calling him a black rogue and that it was, like, about his clothing. But I don't know why the devil would call himself a pretty black boy. I don't know what it means, and I hate it.
2: Yeah. I mean, it did, you did say, didn't you say earlier that... The devil had shown himself to Elizabeth as, like, he was showing up as a, like men, but also as a boy. So a maybe bl- a black dog. and, oh, a, boy. and a black dog. But I don't right.
1: know. I don't know what the race of the boy looked like. That's I have true. no idea. Yeah. Hmm. So okay. he was just basically saying, "I'm not Satan, and this is my pretty little girl, and we've been here a great while." Yikes. Huh. Okay. The devil then says to Reverend Willard, oh, you black rogue, I do not love you. (laughs) Which, like, ow.
2: Yeah. Um, Thanks so
1: much. It's like, I got the hint. You didn't have to say it.
2: I already knew, but, like, you don't have to spell it out for me.
1: And Reverend Willard
2: says, I hate you.
1: It's <laughs> like oh this God. feels like this feels like a sandbox conversation with someone who stole my toy.
2: Yeah, we went from um, like a sleepover earlier to now this is like a recess fight. <laughs> yeah, I and maybe there was racism in there? I'm uh, unsure. It's mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um,
1: like and so he says, "Well, I hate you." And the devil says, "Well, you better love me." It's like this I'm reading oh the room God. and it feels toxic.
2: Yeah, this is not great.
1: Willard asks uh everyone in the house to pray over Elizabeth during this, and the devil says, Hold your tongue, hold your tongue, get you gone, you black rogue, what are you going to do? my god, so, this sounds
2: like a play. Do you want to reenact it? No, I'm kidding.
1: I, no, <laughs> mm, no. no. Um,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, after they prayed, um, other people started, like, talking with the reverend, like, other people started talking at Elizabeth Knapp slash the devil. Um, as they prayed, they would say, like, God has you in chains. And then the devil said, for all my chain, I can knock thee on the head when I please. As, oh. as in, like, it's like, okay, maybe I'm in chains, but I'll still, like, beat you up. It felt really yeah, cheap, cheap shot. Yeah. Um, And then they kept saying, God's stronger than you. He would say, I'm stronger than God. And eventually Elizabeth Knapp, um, she, after this whole experience, we just don't really hear how it ended. I'm assuming she just kind of collapsed and they prayed over here. Later on, she explains that the devil originally had possessed her by coming into her bed at one night when she was, like, getting ready for bed oh. and just, like, jumped into her mouth, and she'd stayed Ew. there ever since.
2: Oh, I hate that. I feel like that's something that, like, you know, like, when you're about to fall asleep, and I feel like sometimes maybe I'm about to, like, not have this be like, oh, hey, everyone does this. But I feel like sometimes, like, the like as you're falling asleep and some, like, really scary things that you might think about that come through Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes I'm like did a ghost just like get jump into my mouth or like did like you know like something (laughs) like that spiders (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like
1: I'm also you have cats I would always be scared if my mouth was open that all of a sudden I just wake up with like a cat face in my mouth you know
2: oh listen shadow does like to curl up like right here and I'll wake up sometimes and he'll just like paw my little face. Okay, that's precious that
1: he's petting you versus, like, (laughs) I imagine my mouth would be the opening of, like, a glass of water, and you know how cats just kind of, like, completely face-dive into that? I'm afraid my mouth would have that experience with a cat, and I would just feel whiskers hitting my lips. So... So she tells, after this whole experience, she's like, yeah, so that's how he got into my mouth. You know, just stayed in my body. Oh, God. And several more ministers try to pray over her, but it doesn't work. At the same time, there's more violent fits and the devil's voice is being heard and, like, silencing her again. But these fade in uh, severity and frequency, and so we're starting to think it might be because she was being prayed over during that one really wild fit where the devil is speaking through her. Yeah. And Nap does seem to go back into a fit um with strangers whenever they visit or if people try to come and pray over her Hmm. um but other than that the experiences kind of just fade off they only stick around when someone new is in town um which like okay i get it social anxiety yeah um yeah and after this she has like a a bout of like not talking to anyone for a while probably because she's processing yeah sure and she later has one final confession Aww. that she lied again and she never signed a pact with the devil. Oh, wait, so, so she, she never she, did. So she's throwing us all around. She's like, she, originally she said she didn't, then she said she did, then she, now huh. she's saying she didn't. It's very confusing, but her story just keeps changing. And huh. uh, she did claim that the devil was possessing her. Okay. But she never signed a pact with him, so the whole guiding the hand with blood never happened.
2: Question: Do you think maybe at the end they were like, "Oh shit, this was ink, not blood"? Right, <laughs> right. They should have just. If
1: only they had DNA forensics at the end. Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. like yeah. no, your blood is made of ink, so not uh, legally binding. Right. Yeah. So uh, she didn't. She did claim the devil was still possessing her and was in fact controlling her speaking. But she never signed the pact. Okay. She did take back that the devil got inside of her through her mouth when she was trying to go to sleep. Okay. But one thing she did not take back and admitted to was that she still had a pull to murder the Willards family.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. twist. Baby Yikes. Yikes. Hey, still hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Can you
1: imagine if you're the Willards and you're like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I have done so much lately for you. <laughs> so the last event in Reverend Willard's notes is another random fit that Elizabeth Knapp was in the middle of, but there was mm-hmm. nothing that Reverend Willard could do, which by the way, why is he still trying at this point? Like you just yeah. found out she still wants to murder your family, like despite the devil being there or not.
2: I mean, maybe not to get murdered.
1: <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough.
2: Or maybe, he maybe thought he, she could do it, you know,
1: or maybe he thought that like the devil Like, that was actually the devil talking, and it was a trick. And, like, he didn't want to, like, he didn't want to turn on her.
2: That's a good point, too. Yeah.
1: So he says uh, in his last little note, he says, I shall suspend my own judgment and willingly leave it to the censure of those that are more learned, aged, and judicious. So he's basically like, I, this is above my pay grade. You figure it out. (laughs) Someone
2: else. I pass, I bequeath this to someone else.
1: Yes. And so when questioning if she was really possessed, he. Stated publicly that he was not sure if this was true or not, but he leans towards yes because of her insane strength, the mm-hmm. fact that he was able to like the fact that she was not speaking and yet speaking a completely wild voice. Yeah. And another one of the reasons that he like is pro she was possessed is because of her like nasty attitude towards him, which like okay that could also be that oh she's sixteen and your employee. But okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but he used that as, he was like, but she was never mean to me other than when she was possessed. Like she was a wonderful person besides when she was possessed. Um, the argument could be, well, she wasn't possessed and using that as an excuse to be an asshole. Like, yeah, sure. Um, that being said, he does think the amount of times that she waffled on her story and kept contradicting herself is very odd. Yeah. And he seems, what's interesting about this versus, the Salem Witch Trials is that he did seem more like he's prioritizing whether or not she was working with the devil with uh, because she consented to that or was the devil manipulating her into this. And, yeah. and then in which case, is she guilty or not? Because if it's something that she's being coerced into, it's not her fault. Right. So, like... That could have been a great stance during the witch trials of, like, right. oh, well, maybe she's practicing witchcraft against her will. Or, like, there was, like, at least some sort of benefit of the doubt that he was trying to give her. Yeah, um,
2: that's interesting that that happened, that that idea was there even before the witch trials, but doesn't... I mean, not that I know of, I, and I don't know a ton, but, like, I wonder if that... It seems like that wasn't really taken into account later when people... It was like, it had clearly,
1: the the notion had existed before, so why did we just throw that out the window? Well, I was also,
2: oh, sorry, go ahead. No,
1: no, no, go for it, go for it. Oh,
2: I was just curious, because I was also thinking, too, in terms of, like, her story changing, if, like, it sounds like it was such an interesting, what a word, probably, like, (laughs) such a, like, a loaded time period of, like, you know, the witch trial's about to start, and, like, obviously Puritan culture being really strict, like, I wonder if she was kind of going back and forth between, like, what would get her in trouble, and what, like, was maybe... Like interesting felt like was coming down the line of like I mean who who's to say like what they would know or feel like but I wonder if maybe at some point she was like oh fuck these people are gonna start killing people soon or, or you know who knows or, yeah like, something maybe else. she
1: was like trying to like get a good gauge of the room of like right. are
2: we killing people <laughs>
1: right. <by this>? like <laughs> right like I need
2: help but also like uh, maybe it's if like, I maybe
1: they're not gonna help me it's like I'm not feeling good but also are you about to make it worse like yeah. Well, so, yeah, so these are all great points, and that's one of the reasons that this story is so interesting, is that it happened 20 years before people just, like, were blindly executing people on a whim for maybe or maybe not being a witch. But he, on the other hand, didn't immediately jump to her being a witch or even practicing witchcraft, and he was, like, he had so much hope that she was just, like, a good Puritan who, like, was in trouble. Yeah.
2: Um, Mm.
1: And he... Also, him keeping a log, he was able to look back on the events, so there was actually some sort of documentation of what was going around versus just randomly accusing people. Um, And he was, remember, discrediting the random accusations of other women being witches without having any proof, which is the exact opposite of how the witch trials go.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And 20 years later, fun fact... Uh, character development 20 Ooh. years later during salem during the salem witch trials willard himself went on to discredit even more women of being accused of witchcraft so he <gasps> saved some lives
2: oh what a i mean yeah that's great i mean you don't hear like i feel like you don't hear those like kind of how uplifting often do you hear of a white of
1: man let alone <laughs> in the puritan culture who yeah. is a reverend saving lives so right. he he was, critic- or he was one of the first people to criticize the Salem witch trials, and he said that the trials were not fair or legal, and that, quote, supernatural matters shouldn't be held in a courtroom. Wow. And, of course, because it was the witch trials, and if anyone criticized it at all, they were also accused of witchcraft. Oh, so no. he had to deal with that whole thing of almost dying.
2: Like, people accused him of being a witch, too?
1: They were like, well, wow. clearly you're a witch, since you're, like, not for the witch trials.
2: Oh, God.
1: So, um... Similar to Sam, this, it was similar to the Salem Witch Trials, though, in that this was a young woman interacting with, quote, a source of evil, hmm. which often presented itself in behavioral changes. Okay. Um, but it differed in that this devil literally possessed her, and yet she was still not accused of witchcraft. Like, so much worse yeah. than what some of the other people were getting accused of. Um, and with more proof, and she still wasn't getting put on trial. Yeah. Um, so here are the reasons why we think this is happening so Mm. for puritans at the time possession actually this is only 20 years earlier but for puritans at the time possession was not seen as being guilty of witchcraft it was just you're afflicted and this could lead to the potential of you being a witch
2: do you know what else i wonder too that made me think too because like you know growing up super christian i feel like i was always told kind of like you know weird things here and there of like you know oh the devil will attack you if you're like the best not like the best they yeah wouldn't put it like that but like if you're so close with god of course like the devil's gonna attack you specifically he's gonna get his
1: strongest warriors yeah, or something right
2: exactly so i wonder if it was like some um, almost like a weird badge of honor to be like you know look what's... i'm so christian i got possessed
1: <laughs> yo i didn't keep this note in because it didn't make sense and now you're saying that and it makes total sense but cotton mather later even said yikes later said that like it was flattering that the devil was so desperate to get her
2: because that's
1: it because she was like one of the good ones i guess and like if he could take her down he could take everyone down
2: i mean again not to say that like the christianity i grew up in is any you know who knows how what survived from the different versions of christianity throughout the times but i just remember mm -hmm. hearing that as a kid and like
1: it makes so much sense that actually really makes a lot of sense with that quote now
2: Wow. Um.
1: And so, also at the time, because it wasn't considered witchcraft to be possessed, it was just like a really scary. Thinks you're so close to potentially being a witch. Right. It was religious leaders in the town's responsibility to help you out of your possession, so you didn't become a witch. Got
2: it. So
1: I think that's interesting because 20 years later, the Salem witch trials. It's like if anyone was possessed, they would have just been like, oh off you go, like, I guess we're going to execute you versus like, oh, it's my job spiritually to take you out of this so you are not, you don't become a
2: witch. Right. It's literally what you see on like every, not to out myself is like watching all of the reality TV, but you know, like in all of those, like, you know, the, the ones where you're like, people are on teams or whatever, like Top Chef or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's always the person who leads the team that gets in trouble at the end if anything goes wrong. So it's Mm -hmm. like, you led the team. Sorry, Mm -hmm. Cotton Mm -hmm. Mather. You were leading the team. Yep. Yep.
1: And uh so so we don't actually know what happened to her after this. There's confusion between two different Elizabeth Knapps who were born at this time. Oh, interesting. About whether she married off to a guy named Afran Philbrick or a different guy named Samuel Scripture. And scripture? I Scripture? I know. Samuel Scripture couldn't get more Christian than that. Okay. <laughs> um And there are potential ancestors from either Elizabeth Knapp who try to determine whether or not she's the Elizabeth Knapp of these stories. Oh, interesting. Um, So I'm not sure what happened, but in either version, she gets married and has kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just kind of like by 1673, there's like no public record of her. So no one really knows what happened. Um, I'm shocked by the way that during all of this story, no one even the doctor tried to like blame it on just like female hysterics.
2: I was, I thought that earlier too. Yeah, that it sounds very much like hysteria and like being, you know, yeah, put away never or once. whatever.
1: So, the modern wow. theory of what was probably going on, if there was a medical condition, because people mm-hmm. even today could be like, she was just like, a, like attention grabby or something. Yeah. Um, the modern theory medically could have been that she had adult onset chorea, which is, uh, Huntington's
2: disease. Oh, geez. Yeah. Which
1: is it quote causes selective deterioration of certain motor functions. It's a rare genetic disorder. The symptoms start near puberty and she was 16 and it causes excessive irregular movements of your limbs, um, which don't, Which actually doesn't happen while you're sleeping, so it makes sense why when she would like pass out from these convulsions, nothing would be happening. Oh wow! It could also be like good old fashioned epilepsy, maybe, and she was, but like this, but then she was talking through it, so that that doesn't really make sense. Although I have heard of like people having seizures and like not convulsing, like just kind of like standing still. Like I don't, I don't know enough about epilepsy, but that could be one of them. Uh, One of the theories, the biggest theory of today, psychologically and religiously, is that the devil, quote, sensing her discontent or her unhappiness at her job and in her life was actually her acting out against the patriarchy, which I fucking love. Oh, yeah.
0: So So, because
1: Because in strict Puritan times, men were, and also, like, this is not much of a surprise to anyone, but the men were the well-educated, the well-traveled, the well-versed, they had lots of opportunity, and women basically did all of the daily labor so that their men could go travel and and, bring home the bacon. But the women were doing all the work at home. So Elizabeth Knapp could have resented uh, the fact that men had a different place in society compared to her own. Which I think is really funny because basically she's saying, like, I'm so bored at my job, I'm going to pretend I'm possessed.
2: Yeah, I was just Um. thinking that is kind of a fun reaction to it. That's like, well, if I can't be happy, I'm going to, like, just cause this for everyone. You can't live your life either.
1: Exactly. It's like, I'm unhappy with where I have to be in Mm -hmm. the social order. Um so I'm going to fuck that up for everyone. Yeah. So the apparently in theory then the devil would know she was unhappy cuz the story did go like oh. the devil would show up most often when I was overwhelmed with work or when I was unhappy about, you know, my personal life and all of a sudden she'd be tempted with money and things that she didn't have. Mm. And so I guess the thought process if this was a, a whole agenda it would have been, if I'm possessed, then I won't have to do the work that I feel like I'm expected to do in society. Wow. Also, so, Oh, sorry. Oh, Go for it.
2: No, I'm so sorry. I just also had another thought too that I was thinking earlier too, this might be like a full long shot. So what? just, but like there also, is there a chance that like maybe she wanted to be a witch and like, when did Satanism become a thing? Like wonder what if she was like, hey, I kind of want to talk to the devil and cause it, like, compared, like, or paired maybe,
1: with. Like, like Maybe she's, like, actually genuinely interested in the, quote, occult and all yeah, that. Yeah, right, yeah. That could have been it, but there actually is an interesting, what might have been uh, attractive to her, to which to being a witch. Mm-hmm. So, um, basically, by, in, the, like, the the feminist theory of it is that by her... Um, becoming possessed and taking herself out of having to do all of these expectations and do all these responsibilities and duties at the Willard's house. Mm -hmm. She was technically uh, quote, moving up her place in society because (gasps) even though she was possessed, she at least didn't have to do the labor of a woman. And therefore she was, had more power or independence, even if she had to like, fake a whole narrative to be given
2: that independence more clout she had like people were yeah was literally in the conversation people were talking about her
1: and she wasn't doing the responsibilities of a woman so she didn't feel stuck in her place Mm. in the social world um plus uh while she was possessed and it wasn't her voice she could say how she really felt about authority like Reverend Willard, she could, like, talk trash about her parents in front of everyone, like every 16-year-old. And by being possessed, she could basically lean into the, quote, sinful behavior of a woman. Um, Oh, that's
2: so interesting.
1: So let's also, like, just PSA, this is a fun theory, but I also want to give a shout out to, like, being... In, like falling into like witchcraft or something does not make you like interested in murdering people. Cause oh, let's remember yes. I that she that did part. say like, she did still have a temptation to murder the entire family and harm herself. And that's her. right.
2: That's right. So
1: I yeah. caveat. Yes. She, uh, that's, you know what I mean? The yes. witchcraft part and her wanting to kill people are, are not one of the same.
2: A hundred percent. Yes. I forgot about the, the, the small thing of the murder yes no that's for sure i was definitely not comparing the two of in, no, like, no no maliciousness just, in any sense for sure you
1: were not you didn't do anything i yeah. just want to say it for other people for me to be like oh like look at her fun little like trying to stick it to the man and it's like okay right. but she also wants to kill people so it's right. like, like those yeah. are
2: a <laughs> yeah um, a nuanced mix of things that were like yeah and maybe that could have been more partly just just her like getting right. things off of her chest or, well, or maybe whatever that would let her
1: it. lean into like sinful behavior or yeah. something and she could just blame it on the devil or whatever right. Um, and it's also like a weird, ironic victim blaming situation because if she had to do all this because she hated her like stance or her status as a woman, mm-hmm. if it was like if she a lot of the preachers at the time basically said like, oh, well, if you were just content with how your life is, you wouldn't have gotten possessed. Like oh, so it got God. really victim blaming very fast. But I'll end on this quote from Roots Webb. Um, that talking about, like, her... This, like, kind of, like, feminist theory of why she would have leaned into becoming a witch or being possessed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, quote, Only when taken over by the prince of evil could she truly express the full force of her feelings mm-hmm. and her desire for independence, and the power is embodied in the symbol of the witch and her rage at the man wow. who taught her that independence and power with the ultimate female evils. So, like, it was just, like you know, witches get to be independent and not have to listen to whatever the fuck men say. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then when possessed, she could assert the witch within and she could rebel against the many restrictions placed upon her. She could dismiss the kind man in the black robe who himself symbolized her longed-for independence and power and tell him what a rogue she thought he was. And for that moment, she could be as powerful as he.
2: Wow. That's so interesting. Oh my gosh. What a a combo of like, it's so... It's almost like it's hard and frustrating not to know exactly what she was thinking, but like those are such interesting like through lines. of, And, you know, what I was thinking earlier about the tongue, the imagery of like the tongue and someone like speaking out of her body that actually when I was growing up, my mom used to always say and I have actually had dreams like this, too. I have like a minor little tooth phobia because I, I think because I would have dreams where like my teeth would just fall out of my mouth or like would be like oh, all in my mouth. And my mom, when I was growing up would be like, you know, I actually had those dreams too, just of like, you know, something being stuck. I think she said, gum, mm. but something being stuck in her mouth and be just being pulled out and pulled out. <gasps> and her dad, who's a psych, who was at the time, um, a psychiatrist said that, I mean, for a lot of other, he's anyway, he used to say at the time that he thought that it was because, um, it was like you were trying to say something but you felt like you couldn't like that was like a oh, visual, yeah like imagery of like you have you have so many things or or anything that you want to say but feel like for whatever reasons you can't get it out you can't say it
1: like fascinating repression
2: like you know the things that like
1: hey that makes a lot of sense maybe she was she kind of connected with that in some way or, or yeah. like a, somehow had the uh, similar feelings and it just kind of presented itself the same way of like oh well i'll just act like i'm silenced and right. but then i can really say what i want right i don't know yeah. uh, also that tooth dream is pretty common right doesn't it mean like a loss of control
2: or something i think something like that yeah that i think it can mean a lot of different like things about like things right out, being out of control or things that you want to i don't know yeah or your roots being
1: can't... shaken up oh. like if you if you're like um I, like, if you're, like, about to move or something, like, maybe things that, like, should usually be in place and are your comfort zone are, like, falling apart. Oh, that's true,
2: because it's, like, rooted things not being, <laughs> ooh, mm-hmm. Hey, I teeth, just stay where they are.
1: <laughs> anyway, I like to fall on, on the side of, like, she was just, like, giving a big old fuck you to the patriarchy. Love but, that. And the the other weird irony of that is that, like... 20 years later like wow men really did a number on women like
2: yes oh my god not not for
1: the last time by the way but like holy shit like the what should have the way that they handled her case when like she had like arguably much more evidence which like it wasn't even that much of evidence like she like Mm -hmm. had convulsions that probably really need to be fucking looked at or she was way dramatic and she was rude. Like that was, <laughs> like that was fucking it. Like, and, and they were like, she's possessed, and they still didn't fucking do anything about it. Right. And so for all these other women, twenty years later, to be like, oh, she's a witch, it, and then they just kill her. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, so,
2: so it's so sad, but I mean, it's so empowering to think that, and then so sad to like have that be like in the shadow in the distance. That's really awful. Yeah, but yeah. glad she was okay, and glad like, yeah, that. My gosh, whatever the com- combination of those things are, just... I know. Oh, what an interesting well, case! Oh my gosh, I know.
1: I'm sorry that was so long. I did not realize I spoke for like a literal hour or something. No, so. I'm
2: so sorry. I feel like I kept like throwing in about like Philly cheesesteaks that we like couldn't
1: process <laughs> <And> digestively. <look. laughs> <laughs> that whole story was a lot to process, just like that Philly
2: cheesesteak. So wow. Okay, that is a gold. That was a gold star. On the Metaphor. more transition? Yeah, transition-wise. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, that's the story of Elizabeth Knapp. Oh, my gosh. I loved it, Em. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. This is so this is so exciting. This, I just, I'm here Had, for the stories.
1: Are you prepared? to? This is your first story you've ever told on the show.
0: By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. Listeners can get 15% off their first order at burrow.com slash drink. That's burrow, burrow.com slash drink for 15% off burrow.com slash drink. offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink
2: i have a story for you ah, that's oh my god before. it's never happened oh my gosh exciting okay so i have a story for you if you would like to hear it, sit back with your high C. <laughs> Thank you. you know, I've been I've been having a juice box uh, a comeback, if you will. Oh so. my gosh. For some reason in my head it filled in juice box cleanse of instead of like a juice cleanse.
1: <laughs> hey, if this is a way to detox, <laughs> throw the high C right on in, you know? <laughs> You're doing it. <laughs>
2: so this is called the trick-or-treat murder. <gasps>
1: Eva. Yes. And it's also, it keeps with the spooky times because it was just Halloween a while I ago. I know.
2: I figured, you know, with great guest hosting power comes great responsibility. And I thought I would <laughs> just come in and extend Halloween.
1: <laughs> and a Spider-Man quote. Take me now. Listen, Are you kidding, me?" I
2: did that for you. Also, part of yours took place, like, right, it was right after Halloween, right? Like, the day after, I think? It was
1: the day before Halloween her symptoms started
2: showing. Oh, before. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we're
1: bookending Halloween with this episode.
2: Wow. Oh, my gosh. What a fun, what a fun. So fun. Yes. Okay, great. Okay, so this is called The Trick or Treat Murder. Also, as um, the Vice article that I read put it, the, quote, bizarre lesbian murder scandal that rocked 1950s L.A., (laughs)
1: Eva, it's about to rock 2020s LA as well because I'm shaking in my little gay boots over here. What the fuck is this story? Yes.
2: Okay. So first I have to give a shout out to my girlfriend, Rachel, because as soon as she knew that I was like doing episodes on on the podcast, she was like, I'm going to find you some gay stories and it's going to be great. (laughs) And And she did. I mean, just... Yeah, thank well you, done. Rachel. Well done. Thank
1: you. Nothing nothing I love more than a than a gay story.
2: <laughs> it's great. And it so I never would have come across this story. So truly, like, thank you, Rachel, for that. So so good. It's also one that like wasn't super out in a lot of different um there were some like articles at like from the time that a lot of more recent articles kind of pulled from. Mm-hmm. And then there was one, so of my trial crew friends, one of them, Caitlin, who I think you've met um loves this YouTuber, Bailey Sarian. So she, Bailey Sarian, um, this like- Oh, she, the
1: makeup makeup, yes. makeup girl? Yeah, okay.
2: she does makeup. Also, if if
1: if she hears this, sorry, I just called you makeup girl, but that is how I, <laughs> I know you immediately is like, oh, the makeup true crime.
2: Yeah, she's makeup. She does her makeup while, well, uh, like a makeup tutorial, basically. That's like usually fun. Like this one was like Halloween themed. So she was like in a costume by the end. Um, but she told the story. Um, and I feel like she told it a little bit more- basically because it has queer through lines from like queer relationships um it's it, it de- i'll get into it but it definitely has some like vague points because at the time obviously it was like scandalous to le- even mention that in newspapers and sure so, like
1: the story is about
2: a lesbian literally they wouldn't even print the word lesbian like that's not they, they wouldn't just even, they, they were roommates Eva. they were abnormal which is the term <gasps> that they kept using which is wildly problematic <laughs> Oh so, no,
1: Eva, we're both pretty abnormal then, if that's the case. We're
2: so abnormal. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. So first, let me, yeah, let me shout out my sources real quick, because there were a bunch of articles. One, the I think it was the Daily News article that Rachel found initially, then I uh, read the LA Times blog, um, there was another blog called Deranged LA Crimes. vintage woman magazine had an article on it. And then vice had an article as well um, as Bailey Sarian that I just watched. So gotcha. Cool. Those are my sources. Um, So other than a title that sounds like, like when I first heard it, I was like the trick or treat murders and I typed in the trick or treat murders instead of the people's names and immediately got a bunch of cozy mystery novels, which also Uh. feels very fitting. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, this is an actual murder. So
1: Oh yeah. Okay. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dial
2: it down. It is a murder. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know. I feel like I keep going, like it keeps being like, I literally have in my notes, a couple places, but this is a murder. I forgot. Like, let's, let's,
1: yeah. It's at, like at first the title of like, Oh, it involving trick or treat it, and it's like, Oh, could it get better? And then you said lesbian. And then I was like, Oh my <laughs> God. And I totally lost my place.
0: Okay. This is a murder. Yes. This is we a, are
2: we're in the true crime we're back back here okay so yes to set the scene it's 11 p.m on halloween night in 1957 okay in sun valley california which is (gasps) very close to us yeah that's where i that's where iss is oh my god fun fact wow i didn't know that Well, so because it was 1957, I did look up, and it was Halloween, I tried to look up like what would the costumes have been, like maybe the favorite (gasps) movies or favorite TV shows. But I didn't really get a ton from like, so the favorite movie that year was Bridge Over the River Kwai, which is a World War II movie. Mm. And then the favorite TV show was Gunsmoke, which was a Western, so like maybe Cowboys costumes type, but like I couldn't really get much from that. Um, but I did look up and save this for a few bullet points down the line, um, Batman was around, so. Oh,
1: fun. And Batman is still
2: one of the top five costumes of today. Oh my gosh, such staying power. Yeah. Such staying
1: power. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. That's what Batman's here for, so.
2: Yeah, apparently the first Batman comic, I think, if I looked this up right, came out in 1939, so definitely would have been on the table. Oh
1: Yeah, Batman was definitely a costume that people had.
2: Yes, so lock that away for... Literally like three bullet points from now. <laughs> okay, perfect. Okay, so to set the scene further, two women are sitting in a car together by themselves watching mm-hmm. one single house in a neighborhood, like the Sun Valley neighborhood. So what they're sitting there, the lights go off in the bedroom of this house they're watching. And this one woman, the driver, Joan, and I'm just going to call her Joan. Her last name is R-A-B-E-L. Bailey Syrian. I think, pronounced it like Ravel, but it's okay. kind of unclear there's so little sure. information it's like we don't know how to pronounce it um, so Joan is the driver and she says as soon as the lights go out in the bedroom in the car uh, she's in the car and she says to her partner sitting there in the car
0: mm-hmm.
2: alright go do it <gasps>
1: so oh, shit I was about to say why were they just randomly watching this house okay
2: I'm yeah. seeing what's happening now something is afoot so mm-hmm. The person in the driver's seat, uh, or the passenger seat, sorry, um, not Joan, this person who will remain mysterious for the moment, Mm -hmm. (laughs) gets out of the car. She is dressed in jeans, a khaki jacket, red gloves... A lot of sources said heavy makeup, but I think that goes with this next thing, which is a domino mask. They called it a domino mask, but a lot of other sources said that was um a ro- like of the mask that Robin from Batman and Robin wore.
1: Oh, okay.
2: And I think the heavy makeup one source kind of implied that it was that she had like blacked out her eyes inside the mask. You know how sometimes it's uh-huh. like like Batman movies, you have the mask and then like the insides where you can still see some like little bits of like eye. I think Maybe that's what they were implying, but I wasn't fully sure. Gotcha. Okay. Um, So she's wearing just kind of like a a disguise, but then the the mask to really disguise herself. And she's clutching a paper bag that's supposed to imply that she was trick-or-treating. Okay. I see. Yeah. So she gets out of the car. She goes up to the house, rings the doorbell. And when local businessman Peter Fabiano answers, she shoots him point-blank. Just below the heart. Oh. With, like, she's, like, her hands are kind of trembling, but she hits him right below the heart. And he dies on the way to the hospital. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So our mysterious woman runs back to the car where Joan speeds them away, but not before. Joan kisses her and says, thank you.
1: Oh, shit. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So guesses so far yes was this man an
2: ex-lover of either of the two women in the car yeah no
1: oh okay because it sounded like maybe it was like an ex that needed to like be
2: quote taken care of he is in some i'll i'll get to it but he is in some ways an ex but oh. also not kind of like there's so many twists in the story and it's <sighs> actually kind of okay. interesting because so many different sources started like the story is so there are a lot of twists and like, I feel like each article I read and like Bailey and too, they all started it in different places because you can, there are so many different plot twists that you can be like, and then this happened kind of. That's so people. fun
1: and also so overwhelming. I would yeah. not know where to start. So
2: yeah, no, I was like Halloween costume. I think I'm going to start on Halloween. So hopefully this pans out as fair enough twisty as it giving it the credit that it yeah yeah. um okay so uh telling her thank you they drive away um so peter fabiano would pretty quickly die from the gunshot wound some sources said on the way to the hospital i think i said on the way to the hospital i think most said on the way to the hospital but others said um shortly after arriving he he basically never woke up from um, this gunshot wound um, going back to the women in the car, they burned their clothes, returned the car they had borrowed oh. from a friend, and walked in opposite directions back to their homes, and Joan's parting words were, forget you ever knew me. Oh, shit. I know. That is That
1: on its own is a twist, because you would think I'm only going, like, if you're going to kill, I would only kill for someone that's, like, by ride or die. And right. now it's, see ya. like,
2: yeah. You're like part ways. Yeah.
1: That feels like it was not worth the effort. Right.
2: Yeah. And that it's Joan who's the one who is like orchestrating it, but not doing it. Like there's so many different like levels of like what's happening here. Hmm. So in an homage to your, both of your jokes about like record scratching, we're going to do a record scratch and be like, how did we get here? (laughs) Yes.
1: That sounds great. I would like the the reverse music. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna reverse and we're gonna go back and be like, "Hi, who is Joan?" So <laughs> that that
1: was my first question, and my second and
2: third. So <laughs> perfect, we'll hit them all, knock them out. Um, so Joan is kind of mysterious herself. Not a ton is known about her, but um, she claimed to be from Philadelphia. Sources think this based on the ship's manifests from a couple different ships that traveled between Los Angeles and Honolulu. Mm-hmm. Because um, it would turn out that she was taking classes at the University of Honolulu for writing, so she was a writer. She's an artist. She was a writer. Um, I think she made most of her money as a freelance photographer, though, because most sources said she was a freelance photographer. Oh, okay. Um, however, Vintage Woman magazine article found another newspaper from the time that said she was from Lithuania. So it's like kind of unclear exactly wow wh- where she was from, where how she showed up. Where she did. Just
1: like a ship in the night. She just yep. arrived. A ship's <laughs>
2: manifest in the night. She was just scribbling whatever she wanted. On yeah, it sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Um, So she was a freelance photographer and writer. Took some classes at the uh, University of Honolulu in the late 1940s. Um, she also, at the time of the murder, was an ex-hair salon employee and known to date women. So... The L word that none of the papers would print at the time.
1: Oh, it's currently her only redeeming quality. (laughs) I know.
2: (laughs) I know. So, yeah, this was a really interesting point of the story that, like, I don't know, it just got me thinking a lot about how it was reported at the time and, like, what we know about the story now, which is, like, based on those, like, you know, very straight, very repressed not mm-hmm. that they would necessarily be repressed, but that they were trying to repress the stories of yeah. these women and their true identities. So I feel like I, I just was thinking a lot about how it's like, it, A, it's kind of sad that we don't know how they truly identified themselves. Right. Yeah. We only, we,
1: we're just saying lesbian, but like, right. who knows what was actually, what was the truth. So
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's only based on like phrases and words that were used in the newspapers at the time. And like, yeah, almost every like news source now is saying like well but they wouldn't print anything that was like anything right descriptive especially that it would be like descript like a way that that person described themselves so
1: all we all we know is they were queer yeah and that's like as that's as vague as as vague and as descriptive as we're gonna get right
2: exactly yeah um so let's see oh right so this is where I also had the the fun and not so fun fact that it was mostly termed abnormal in newspapers. Like they would say that and people would just get the hint. Like they would know what that meant in newspapers. Kind of like how
1: you would say like a funny uncle or something right. at the time when it yeah. was like, oh, he just liked kissing dudes. Like leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs> no, and
2: I meant to look this up too at the time, but like I wondered if it was related to the fact that like, wasn't there a, wasn't there like a term like abnormal psychology was like a, like a point of reference for
1: it was so what's so interesting is I was so what my favorite class that I took to get my degree in undergrad was abnormal psych and one of the things they talked about I actually took pictures of it when I last went home because I still had my textbook and I was like I feel like I should take pictures of this in abnormal psych one of the like chapters was all about like queer people and transgender people. Wow. And and it was definitely an outdated, I'm sure at the time it was like as progressive as you can get, but I was mm-hmm. reading it. And even from like 2014 or whenever, 20, whenever the book came out, yeah. I was like, Ooh, things have changed. Like this yeah. is not okay. No, so looks,
2: yeah. It seems like a lot of that's in the story too. Like even some of the newer articles I was reading, I feel like Barry, Bailey Saran maybe came the closest to being like, you know, just having better language about things, but like even sure. some of the like newer articles, I was like, I don't know if your take is great on this, or I don't know right. if you like your language is great on this. So
1: weird. No. So, huh. Interesting.
2: Yeah.
1: And, so, I mean, that makes sense. Cause abnormal is just a different way of saying weird. Weird is just a different way of saying queer. So yeah. I mean, it kind of makes, I That's, I can see the, the quick connection,
2: especially because all of the women involved were somehow outside of the realm of the quote unquote norm. Um, because all three women had been divorced and previously married to men, but in some cases were known to date women. So it caused a lot of speculation.
1: Ooh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Really setting the queer scene here. Good
2: job, wow. <laughs> Thank you. I just, I got, I, you know, certain points. I was like, I want to know more. Please tell me more. And so I like <laughs> had to go to like, like Wikipedia and stuff. Right, right. <laughs> um, and I hope I got it all right. Like it really was like I was pulling from like a few different sources. So hopefully I got got all sure. that good so back to the murder <laughs> that was one of my bullet points wow point. you're
1: really taking on christine's personality like very quickly here oh my that. gosh am i oh good i
2: like wanted to make sure that i was like doing her honor
1: you literally just did your own version of beep boop bop <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: so bringing it back just about you. that oh yeah murder oh hi we're back to the murder so the murder victim peter fabiano was 35 years old he was an ex-marine and met his wife betty in the late 1940s, around the same time that Joan had been taking these classes, the writing classes in Hawaii. Hmm. It sounded like Betty was kind of the stereotypical, like beautiful divorcee of the time, like, you know, kind of picture like a, I don't know. I was picturing like a very stereotypical. That's what a lot of the um, sources were saying. She had red hair. Love it. Hey, Um, good for her. She also had two children from a previous marriage, which I do not have. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay, good. Just checking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Peter and Betty were married in 1950 and they lived in New York until they relocated to Los Angeles in 1956. Peter had been working as a truck driver in New York, but in like a real change of career when he moved to LA, he, so he was working as a truck driver and then he moved to LA and was like, I'm going to open two beauty salons. Oh, yeah. Uh, Okay, that's exactly what I – nowhere else mentioned that, but I <laughs> okay. I mentioned you that. You and I both feel yeah. like we're like, hmm, well, maybe especially, they were – were they beards? That's, that was kind of one of my thoughts. Nowhere mentioned that, and the but one article did say that um, in terms of like, you know, kind of painted them as like they were the picture – everyone thought they were the picture perfect couple, blah, blah, blah including the fact that a lot of people use the fact that he was her hairdresser as a way to be like, look what a perfect husband he is. That's what I thought. You?
1: Are you mm-hmm. kidding? I mean, I'm, I get a stereotype as a stereotype and we, men are allowed to like whatever they want and yes. beauty salons and yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm just saying it sounds a little fruity. I'm just saying it sounds a little like it could more than what I yes. was expecting initially be in that situation.
2: Correct. I literally sounds, wrote. Sounds a little gay. I said that too. I had the. I think my bullet point here was like, but that also made me think that he was gay too. But that is wild speculation. Like, I don't know. Complete
1: wild <laughs> speculation. Men can totally like work in Ooh. beauty salons and be straight cisgender men. That is not what we're saying here. Right. But for the 50s trope of a man in a beauty salon and they get divorced yeah. and also this the narrative is already kind of queer. You know, yeah. I'm just I'm having vibes.
2: Yes, yes. So uh, they actually weren't divorced. So they were so Betty had been divorced previously. So she oh, was been divorced. Yes. Okay. So she was previously married. She had these two kids that were now teenagers and then she met Peter and married Peter. Got it. Okay. Um but it also that is the point too that like so these two other women as well. I think less is known about Jones, but I think um with um this other women that I'll get to. But there was there was kind of speci- speculation along those lines of like that their divorce that they had divorced men and then started dating women, basically. Okay, got yeah. it. So they have these hair salons. This is where we start to like kind of weave everyone together. Okay. In the Halloween murder web. Mm. So When Peter opened these hair salons, he hired Joan, our driver, as a hairdresser at one of his salons. Different sources say different things. They say she was a hairdresser. They say she might have been, since she was a writer and a freelance photographer, they think that she could have been doing like publicity for them. But Mm -hmm. most of them, I think, said that she was a a hairdresser there as well. And so she became close with the couple, especially Betty, who would come in to the hair salons.
1: Gotcha. Sorry. Who's the person that's getting close with Betty? Sorry, Joan. The driver. Joan. Okay. Okay. Cool. Joan the the driver.
2: Yeah. Joan the driver. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, at this point, Betty and Peter start having trouble in their marriage. They're still together. Uh. But it's, and again, this is another place that's, like, super unclear and just speculation. We don't know if it's because of Joan and, like, Joan and Betty getting close. It Mm. is highly speculated that they were, that Betty and Joan we together at some point.
1: Interesting. Okay.
2: Either before or after. We don't fully know. But it could have been, you know, just other issues. And the timing worked out in a different way. Basically, Betty and Peter started having trouble in their marriage. And when Betty decided that she wanted to try just a trial separation with Peter, she moved in with Joan. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's at that okay. point. Yeah, that's the point. It's like, people- is it?
1: Is it? is it homophobic to assume like that they're I mean but like history would call them roommates but then it's like well that's pretty homophobic so like I where do I stand I don't know are they together
2: are they not together I don't want to make the wrong assumption I know it's like all you want to do is just be like I whatever you want to do we are happy you know like my my gay little heart wants them to
1: just you know, just have, like, their thing and, like, move in and all that, but I don't want to assume the wrong storyline, you know? No,
2: exactly, yes, for sure. Um, And especially because, again, like, the newspapers didn't, that was the place where they were like, and then they moved in together, these abnormal Mm -hmm. friends. Like, I think they hinted at it, but Uh I don't think it was ever fully, neither woman commented on it, so it was not... They could also
1: both be queer and just friends. I mean, who, Mm -hmm. I mean,
2: a lot of things, a lot of situations. A lot of options, exactly, that we, like... Sadly, to just don't know. And so when Betty and Joan moved in together, obviously they, you know, in maybe not obviously, but Joan was supporting Betty. And it's kind of thought that because of the way it's also really unknown to like in terms of how Peter did treat Betty. And so it comes up a little bit later that part of the motive is Betty basically wanting to rescue Betty from someone who's evil, like terrible person. Mm. So again, I don't want to assume there was or wasn't abuse in their relationship. Like none of the sources that I read said there was or wasn't, um, that feels like another place of like, for Betty's sake, I wish we knew. Sure. Um, Yeah. Just to know, you know, have known, but That's another place we don't really know, but we do know that when Joan and Betty were together, they obviously were talking about Betty's relationship with Peter. Gotcha. Wow, I blew through a lot of bullets at one time. I didn't realize this.
1: Good for you. (laughs) Look, I mean, hey, you know your story.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So a little bit later, Joan would claim that Betty told her that Peter was, quote, this is from Vintage Woman magazine, abusive and controlling. Oh,
1: not what I was expecting you to say.
2: Yeah, and that she sort of dreamed about saving Betty and giving her a better, different kind of life is what a lot of sources say. Ah, okay, I see. Yes. Um, But again, it is really hard to know. Like, it's also hard to know if like... This whole story
1: is just full of holes. I know,
2: (laughs) it's so hard to like, I know, get a grasp on it because it's very like, well, it could have been this and it could have been this because it could have been that you know, as, like, a lot of, I think, murderers, and, like, this sort of passion crime mm-hmm. happens, like, it could have been that someone became too obsessed, In mm. like, I don't even, that's probably not even the right term, but, like, became too obsessively involved in, like, the thought process of, like, saving someone to this extent, to, yeah. you know, save it, doing these things to create another outcome. Um, yeah, I think there are just so many different takes on it that, mm it's just really unclear and again especially because the papers were kind of intentionally making things vague as well but what we do know is that what happened the thing happened where that like everyone fears when you're talking about like shit talking an ex to directly to the person oh is that shit then they Betty hear about got it? No, Betty got back together with oh, Peter. No! Oh, that yeah. no! That's so <laughs> much
1: worse. Yeah, yeah, I know. yeah, yeah.
2: So basically, Betty and Peter reconciled and got back together. Most sources say that Peter made Betty promise that she would never talk to Joan again as like <gasps> a condition of them reconciling, and Betty oh. agreed.
1: So, Betty, Betty,
2: Betty, Betty. I know. And so Betty agreed and moved back in with Peter. So by the Halloween night in 1957... Betty was back living with Peter. Uh. They were having like a nice little family night to themselves. They had cut Betty had according to sources cut off contact with Joan. Mm. And then it's at this point that then Joan finds herself outside uh. the door or outside their house in I see the car.
1: So almost like a I'll save you situation.
2: It's, it definitely seems most that's like I kind of, I felt like I kind of wanted to be a little bit more vague about it because most sources go really far down the road of like, Joan really went off track. I mean, she did. Like, Joan definitely went off track. Yes, still,
1: murder is not good no matter what. (laughs)
2: Correct. Yes, yes. But like a lot of them go really far down that track of like, Joan was obsessive and she was this and that. But then a little bit later, like I did some more digging and that is also a really kind of weird stereotype of quote-unquote lesbians, like, as it was identified in papers at the time, sure. too. Yeah. So I didn't want to go too far down that route either.
1: Wow, you are just, like, dodging grenades. <laughs> and
2: it just, just, it's like a landmine out there. God, I'm, I know. I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm not telling you any actual facts.
1: <laughs> no, no, you're good. And also, I meant to say minefield, not one particular landmine. Oh, <laughs> Whatever. It's stupid. Yeah. It, yeah. it really is, like, so not even important. But, no, I – mm-hmm. yeah, you're – This is a a story I want so much information on and we'll just never get.
2: I know. And it's so sad because I really do like, I mean, the story itself is so like, you want to do justice to especially, you know, queer women who were probably repressed, probably definitely repressed at the time.
1: And this is the best information that the press Mm -hmm. was willing to cover about them. And it's like, not cute. Like, it's... Yeah.
2: We do get some us like some small quotes from them later that I found. But yeah, there's really nothing and like Joan never heard anything from Joan. So mm. um yeah. So back to the Halloween night of nineteen fifty seven, from the Fabiano's perspective, in their mm-hmm. house they're having like a nice little family night. Um Betty's two kids were there. So she had a teenage daughter that still lived with them and had gone to bed. They had been giving out candy. Um, So Susan, the daughter, had gone to bed. Um, Their son was um, in some form of the military, and so he had just left to go back to a base in San Diego that he was Mm -hmm. driving back to. And so it was at that point that Betty and Peter had gone to bed and were, you know, in their bedroom, turned off the light, and that's when they heard the doorbell ring. Yes.
1: Yep, yep, yep.
2: Yeah. So... From Betty's point of view, she was still in bed. Peter got up to answer the door. Um, she, he- Betty heard from the bedroom um, the knock. Peter opening the door and asking, isn't it a little late for this? Like, oh, like scene. you're retreating. Exactly. Yeah. And then a voice that a lot of different sources said sounded purposefully disguised that this person did actually answer and just said no right oh. before shooting him. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, Betty ran downstairs to find her husband on the ground and the culprit's already driving away, as we talked about. Uh-huh. Some sources said that Betty's daughter, Susan, called the police, while others say that Betty ran to a neighbor who worked for the LAPD,
1: oh.
2: which was convenient. Yeah, But either way, the cops were on the scene really quickly. Um, initially, the police had a really hard time figuring out a motive because when they looked into Peter Fabiano, they were like, everyone likes him. Like He's so nice to everyone. He's like pillar of the community, like sure. Businessman, um, kind of upstanding guy. They did find one small bookmaking quote unquote charge from his time in the military since he was an ex Marine and that okay. was um I think uh like a bookie type, like gambling
1: oh, okay.
2: Small small charge, but it wasn't enough to connect him to any local organized crime
1: gotcha okay which is
2: what they were looking at because of the. sure it's like it
1: looks like a hit and run or like yeah
2: yeah right yeah exactly so that was their first thought drive-by that's what it's called yeah yeah you know i'm in the mob so you know (laughs) obviously i know what i'm talking about i mean especially from tea time tuesday everyone you know all the the terms from the the grandpas and grandmas who were in
1: I yeah. don't know anything about the mob, but certainly everyone who listens to the show's grandparents yeah. do. So I don't oh know what gosh. it is. By the way, shout out to Tea Time Tuesday if you don't follow me on Instagram and Patreon. Go, with, you'll know what I'm talking about if you uh, do that.
2: Truly, go do it. It's like such a good, just like release. Like I feel like it's so. It's a just lot so... of people
1: really bear their soul in those in those comments. So. Oh
2: my god, the the affairs and the like sneaky things people are doing too i mean
1: i really do love to hear that drama i not oh. to say like i am so detached i'm unaware that it's like very fucked up information but yeah. if people are consenting to sharing that information with me i
2: consent to hear it you know yeah. <laughs> so post <laughs> it <I'm> posted anonymously <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway i do like the ones that were my favorite and in in the in keeping with this story are the ones that are like, I kissed a girl for the first time and it was great. Or like, yo, so
1: many of you actually speaking of queer, uh, I don't know if representation is the right word, but queer opportunity. So let's take it. Um, This is a PSA to every single person. uh, Just in case, whether or not you have written into Tea Time Tuesday, (laughs) so many of you think that you are alone and questioning yourself, regardless of your age. And I only post a few of Tea Time Tuesday, but like, There's hundreds of you, like hundreds of you all are questioning your sexuality, whether you're like 16 or in your 40s. And uh, don't feel alone because there's a shocking amount of our audience who are like kissing girls for the first time and loving it. So, you know, if you all got to go. Make friends, Don't... if you want to be the first person in the Facebook group that says, like I'm questioning, I guarantee there'd be like fifty people who'd say me too in the comments, so yeah, there you have, yeah, it. Yeah. just trying to trying to keep people from feeling alone,
2: yeah, we'd love to see it, we love it,
1: we love to see
2: <laughs> it, <laughs> okay, so the bookkeeping charge they're trying to connect Peter to local organized crime just to as like a how who who did this, why did they do it um and so they obviously asked Betty like, hey, did anyone did he have any enemies like did anyone wish him ill like how yeah what happens right is there anything you can think of since we have zero other leads oh the other thing is that they didn't find they obviously knew it was a bullet like a gunshot wound but they couldn't find the casings anywhere oh interesting it was only one shot and they were like well the casing usually is like a like a sign or like a clue they didn't find that anywhere and so they were like we have nothing to go on so hey betty can you help (laughs) And Betty initially is like, no, like, there's nothing I can think of. But she does eventually end up giving them Joan's name. Oh, Betty, 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 Betty. Betty. Yeah, because she's like, well, I guess I did talk about how, you know, it's unclear. Obviously, yeah, it's still unclear what they did say, but. I guess it was going to come out
1: eventually if she was like, oh, I recently left him and was staying at this Mm -hmm. other person's house. Like, I mean, so. Yeah. I'm sure they were expecting. She had to expect they'd come asking questions.
2: And also thinking too about like, if people were, who knows if they were speculating at the time that they split up and Betty moved in with Joan, like if they were actually romantically involved and if there were rumors already Mm. kind of swirling about it, maybe she felt like she had to start to admit something because it was going to be found out. Someone else was going to say it. Right. Who knows? So she did end up mentioning Joan. And so the police did, they brought Joan in, they questioned her but they actually released her because they couldn't find anything that led her to them, including the fact that she was like, well, I was home alone. Like everyone saw my car in my driveway. So I was home. That's the most you can do. And people did corroborate and say like, yeah, we saw her car in her driveway. No one was with her. But so there is this little twist that the police actually got a confidential tip that we don't know who that was, but they said, Hey, Maybe check this. uh, So apparently at the time, department stores had like lockers that you could pay for, kind of like a train station. Huh. Yeah, which I had no idea. But apparently there was a department store in downtown that had these like pay lockers. And so the confidential tip was like, hey, maybe go check those, those lockers. Oh, shit.
1: I'm yeah. sorry. I'm so like like a Macy's, like a JC would have a locker. Yeah,
2: it it was a department store name that I didn't know, so I actually didn't write it down. But... Was it
1: Loman's?
2: <laughs> no, I don't think it was oh. Lomans. But mm. it was um like locationally, you might know where it is or was because have you ever been to Clifton's in downtown? Eva. Eva, t- Eva I think Eva, we've Eva. talked about this before. Eva, 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 Eva.
1: <laughs> Clifton's has been on so I Yes. Yes, I know what Clifton's is, to yes. answer your question. I have wanted to go for a long time, and I kept putting it off, like, for years. And then I started dating Allison, and I was like, oh, I'm going to surprise her with this one day. Yeah. And I guess Allison ha- also has it on her list of things to surprise me with. So I think we mm. both keep waiting to surprise each other, and it's just not happening.
2: Okay, I thought that was the thing. But As I was writing it, I was like, I need to make sure to mention Clifton's for M because I, I thought that. I was like, I think you haven't been, but you know about it. I know and already love it very, very much. So it's really fun. I've only been one time, but I would love to go again. <gasps> I, okay. it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, maybe we'll
1: have to fi- we'll have to check it out. Well, it's so it's Clifton's Cafeteria for people who don't know. Yes. And I mean, you're the one that's been there. Do you want to describe
2: it? It's just I feel like you might actually do a better job because you're so much better at describing those like experience oh. type places.
1: <laughs> Stop it. Okay, let me let me um Clifton's cafeteria. So the what I remember of it is that it's a it's a pay what you can afford a situation. Um I don't know if it's still like that, but it was like a pay what you can, and that way other people who couldn't eat or couldn't pay could still come in and in and, and eat for free, which was really nice. And oh. it was um is that not true anymore?
2: I don't think it's I think it's mostly more like a bar experience like, oh okay place now yeah
1: it, I also saw um the pictures like it had like a bunch of like weird wall decor it was like some, yes. it looked like a like a cabin lodge and yeah. uh okay it's one of the oldest surviving cafeteria eateries in Los Angeles and the largest public cafeteria in the world and i I know there was something about this like pay as you go. Maybe that was temporary or maybe they do it like once a year or something. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's supposed to be really cool. It's supposed to be like this super tall, like brownstone looking factory building. And it looks like, is there's like a tree in the middle of the (laughs) restaurant? Yeah, it's like, so it's, it's like, it's so
2: wild. It's so cool. It's like you walk in and they're like staircases immediately. You can go like you already you walk in and you have to like, choose. Oh, also there's like a bakery pretty immediately. There's like a little pastry place that you can like get pastries and then like you walk up the stairs and there's like yeah, there's like a tree that goes uh, it's like three stories almost, something like that. There's where a tree do I sign oh that my God. goes up through the whole thing. There are all these different rooms that like yeah, there's like the there's like a bar at the end of like the where the tree is. It's like a little like um forest oh kind of theme. Yeah. I'm, I'm Google yeah. imaging
1: it now. It's very forest themed. It's like it's yeah. like an adult rainforest cafe where, like, there's yeah. no animatronics, but there's a lot of, like, clear notions to you are in the woods.
2: <laughs> yes. But then it also has, like, so there are rooms that are kind of offshoots from the the main. So, like, you walk around and there's, like, the tree here. And then they're, like, almost, like, at like, not, like, alleyways, but, like hallways that like overlook like there's like a dance floor on the bottom and that's then that's so fun it's so fun but then there are like rooms that offshoot too so there's one room that like had they had the when I was there one time shout out to my other trial crew friend Ellen who is gonna get a huge shout out next time because she like basically did my notes for me and I oh, love fun. her so much <laughs> um, but El, I think it was for Ellen's birthday I went a couple years ago it's like the only time I've been but I think we were in one of the offshoot rooms that had like I want to say it was like so themed like time period wise so like you walk out of the forest and then you're into like like I don't know the actual time period but it was like 19 like 30s 40s something like around what this the time hell? probably There was okay. like a full band playing there too like in costume of the time Okay
1: Eva I would like to I would I'm I'm stating it now let's do this yeah. for like um for like Christmas this year we'll do like yeah. a like some sort of i say christmas so Allison has some time to actually try to take me first but alison yes. if you're listening if we haven't gone yet uh you've had ample time i've had ample time so it's gonna have to be a christmas thing for me neva i this and, and also Allison, you're invited um this is what <laughs> yes. this is so cool and apparently really there's neat. there's a whole section called cabinet of curiosities Oh! Is
2: that true? I feel like I didn't even see that part. There's honestly, like, you, I, that's why I was like, I need to go back, because you don't see everything. Like, it's just one of those places that has, like, so many things.
1: Okay, well, okay. Anyway, wow, what a tangent, but we're for sure going. Oh, we're
2: for sure going, yes, yes. Um, Okay, so, that was where the department store was, was apparently right across the street from the famed Clifton's, which was apparently uh-huh. right. Opened that long ago. Like so, so
1: right. It's been open since like the third thirties or something. Or what was it? Clifton's cafeteria opened since, sorry, this is not no, important no. to the story at all.
2: 1931. Wow. 31. That's so wild. Those it opened like, like
1: great depression era and is like still hanging out. Okay. Yeah.
2: Still. Sm- I mean, hopefully we hope knock on wood. I think it, I think Rachel said it just reopened after, Covid, so I think it's yes. back. Okay, good. Yes, That's good, good. Um, okay, so in the department store across from the famed Cliftons, mm-hmm. there was a locker, a pay locker, and in that locker they found a gun, and the police were able to link it to the murder of Peter Fabiano. Wow! So they were like, okay, we obviously need to find out who bought this fucking locker because, right? Wow! Yeah. Is this
1: a yeah. clue? And mm-hmm. like, that, that's a literal smoking gun. And uh, li- also, <laughs> yes. like, it could only either be Joan or the shooter at this point.
2: Yes. Right. that's my thought. Like, right. Unless, like, the, like a third
1: it? person who didn't come mm-hmm. with them knew about this. Or did, like,
2: Betty know that her husband was going to get shot? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know what? Just put a pin in that because let's talk about that later. You are onto something, my friend. Ah, um, okay. For now, we're at the smoking locker. <laughs> Of course. Yes. So they were able to link the purchase of this pay locker to 43 year old Goldine Pizer. Who the fuck is this? Okay. I know. I literally wrote into my notes. It's like the only, like, quote-unquote joke I wrote into the actual notes. I was like, this is a name I would like to hear from a Ouija board, sending that into the universe. <laughs> it's not even a joke. Just, <laughs> okay. like...
1: Manifesting into a Ouija board <laughs> sounds really dangerous. Um, but Correct. let's do it anyway.
2: Goldeen. I didn't even know it was pronounced Goldeen until I watched Bailey Sarian and was like, oh, Goldeen.
1: Interesting, Goldeen. F- Isn't Goldeen a Pokemon? I don't know. Keep
2: going. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... It was linked to 43-year-old Goldine, um, who turns out to be the passenger and the shooter of said. Uh-huh.
1: Who sounds like she was Joan's
2: girlfriend, no? With the giving her a little kiss
1: and saying, Never talk to me again.
2: I mean, again, super unclear and super speculated on. We'll get to that too. Okay. So, um, yeah, literally I was just about to read the non-joke that I wrote in here, Ouija board joke. Um, let's see. Well she, <laughs> Thank you. I much.
1: appreciate the inserted <laughs> ad- jokes in advance in case like I wasn't <laughs> nailing it on the show. No, no, it was for me. I was
2: like, I got to bring my A game. <laughs> I got to try hard. Okay, so aside from all of that, she was actually pretty shy. She was a medical secretary and she worked for a local children's hospital, most sources say. She was divorced from her husband, a Naval Hospital pharmacist, and she was also known to date women after Mm -hmm. her divorce. Okay. She also lived only about a mile away from Joan. She lived in Hollywood and Joan lived... Oh, no, wait. Sorry. Joan lived in Hollywood and Goldine lived just a mile down the road, down, I'm assuming, Sunset, because it says the Sunset Strip area.
1: Okay. Sure.
2: So later, that's why it's so. It was so visual for me when it was like, oh, later they like parked the car at their friends and walked in opposite directions to their right to their homes. It was like she was walking. It's like very,
1: walking. very uh, a rare occasion in Los Angeles. We yeah. can just part ways and be home in a minute.
2: Uh, I, exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So only well, we lived a mile away from Joan and like Betty Goldine was a redhead. The story is filled with redheads. Wow. This is. A lot of queer
1: redheads are happening right now. <laughs> yeah. So feels like this should be a, a, a small statistic of people, and yet yeah. it's happening. It's happening. It's <laughs>
0: happening! <laughs>
2: okay. Wait, what's so, the percentage of
1: people who are redhead?
2: Oh, actually, I don't know. Is what's, it like
1: 2.5% or something? What percentage
2: of people are
1: redheads? I was thinking, like, what are the probability of someone being queer and redheaded?
2: oh true occurring in just one to two percent of the population but again we don't know because like me they could have been fake redheads that's
1: true that's true
2: that's who true knows? you're right but they did say redhead so i I was kind of assuming that maybe that was but i feel like if i were in like a newspaper written about they might say redhead to you and yeah throw everything off but who knows not me <laughs> not, certainly not me so after Betty moved back in with Peter, Joan had met, actually it's kind of, that's also kind of unclear when Joel, Joan and Golden met. Some sources said they met after Betty moved back in with, um, Peter, which is why I wrote it that way. But then I watched Bailey Sarian and I think she mentioned that they had known each other for two years, but like prior to, mm. so again, they're kind of like some conflicting bits of information there. um, and again, it's their relationship is also unclear because homophobia. So it's it's not known. Bailey Sarian actually was kind of speculating that Goldine liked Joan and Joan used Goldine. I mean, that that's it what it sounds like to me, right? That it wasn't quite like requited. It's like, but the
1: hey, I mean, first of all, it does feel a little fishy like imagine if your current girlfriend said hey can you go kill my ex girlfriend's partner assuming everyone yeah. was dating each other but it sounds r- like that's that that's not a hard red flag to find of like uh, it correct. sounds like you're still into your ex and, like yeah you are so jealous that she's with somebody else that you want me to someone who likes you to kill them so yes. you can not be with them and stay with me like that doesn't sound realistic
2: no a hundred percent and this really brings up too I had a whole point about this a few bullet points down but I'll bring it up now too that like they yeah where was it it was like I just wanted to know like there it doesn't really say but like and Goldine will later a little spoiler will lean into the fact of like joan manipulated me but like doesn't go into the details she was trying to blame it on like
1: i got swindled into this or something yes exactly
2: and like doesn't want to admit to anything especially in court right sure yeah um but yeah that was my thought too of like was it was it did it veer into brainwashing did it veer into kind of like you know those i meant to look up the term too christine would know it um, the term of like, uh, when two, two criminals or two people commit a crime together and one is the dominant personality and one wouldn't have committed the crime if not for the other person, but goes oh, along with it.
1: That sounds like a Christine knowledge trivia yeah, thing. Like I a, don't know what that is.
2: Yeah. I think it's Christine, like, <laughs> Christine, are you there? Are you there? <laughs> what a little
1: role reversal that was. Okay.
2: Oh, um, <laughs> So, like, it's hard to say, but, like, yeah, I was really curious to know what that dynamic was specifically, if there was, like, some brainwashing involved, if it was really just Goldine being like, yeah, I'm so on board, I want to do this of my own volition. Sure. But, yeah, sadly, you don't really know. Um And then, oh, but we do know that they were close enough to share that between them, like Joan would share a lot about Betty and Peter, Mm -hmm. drumming Peter up to be just like the most, there are a lot of quotes from the court court later that were like evil, vile, you know, all of that kind of thing, making him out to be pretty terrible.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. So over the course of it sounded like only three months, it took Joan to convince Goldine to be the one to actually kill Peter. Wow. Yeah. Which I can't decide if I feel like that's a long time or a short amount of time. Like, I feel like both is true. Like, no amount of time Right. I don't, don't think could ever convince me to kill someone. I don't so, so know. How, how, long, how long was it one more time? I think it was only three months.
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't think I know... I think I don't even know what the average was, especially during the 1950s, like how long it usually takes people to determine something like that. It feels long.
2: Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. That's true. Because it's definitely premeditated in that case. Like, obviously, it took time. Like, there was time. They talked about it a lot. Apparently, that was another bit of this, that they did talk a lot together about killing Peter, the two of them.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Um yeah
1: okay. and then, then i don't actually now that i think of it like maybe it's maybe it's quick i have no idea. christine are you there i don't <laughs> hello i don't know <laughs> I, I i imagine three months is pretty
2: fast because it sounds like in a lot of Christine's stories people are like waiting for months in jail until something's determined right you know speaking of months i just i'm so sorry that my brain just flew in a different direction and i was like oh my gosh i can't wait to talk to christine about all of these like stories that like <laughs> you know she'll like hear later and we'll like be able to talk about with her
1: well, you'll experience the phenomena we have where, um, because by the time this comes out and Christine has something to say, none of this information will have stayed in your mind.
2: <laughs> you, you
1: won't know what's going on. She'll just text you randomly and be like, this is the term you were talking about. And you'll be like, what is, what are you talking
2: about? <laughs> Oh my gosh. That usually, I feel like that usually is me texting you both during a recording and being like, oh, hi, I just looked this up for you. This is what's <laughs> happening. Do you me to look at it? <laughs>
1: uh, well, yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, by the time Christine knows what we're talking about, it you will not know what's <laughs> happening. <might.
2: laughs> we'll have left. Um, okay, so, oh, so the other thing in terms of, like, convincing people not you know people doing things of their own volition um i also kept seeing the term svengali come up in the articles that i was reading and i think it came from a quote that i think it was either in a newspaper or i didn't get the full i think it was in one of the articles and i didn't fully write it down but um yeah i saw i read the word svengali and i was like i feel like i've heard that before and it sounds problematic but i don't know what it is. i don't think
1: i know what that is
2: so I looked it up and it turns out it's just a character like the name of an actual character in oh. a novel that came out in 1894, so pretty old. Wow, yeah. Um it was the novel is called Trilby. Um and the character apparently quotes this is just from Wikipedia, um, seduces, dominates and exploits Trilby, the main character who is a young Irish girl and makes her into a famous singer. Okay. Unquote. The word since then has come to be known as someone who exercises a controlling or mesmeric influence on another, especially for a sinister purpose.
1: Okay, so we're thinking that Joan was the Svengali to Goldine, like, used her and mesmerized her with her wonderful queer charm
2: wit and charm and exactly yeah. and then
1: said go kill this person and that's so she fell under this like trope mm-hmm. of like oh i got sphingalied or something
2: yes yes okay. exactly yeah okay. um which i did think was really funny that like wikipedia both said like for a sinister purpose and then the original character was like made into a singer so i was like oh, right like, singing singers.
1: <laughs> like I, I feel like th- the things got lost in translation it sounds like Svengali mm-hmm. was like kind of okay <laughs> in the book yeah. i would like to be sphingalid of like yeah. turned into a, like the next justin bieber or something right you know? was
2: it was i mean i wonder if it what did, like did the veer off the rails thing but like initially the way it was described i was like i don't know does that sound so bad we grande ah <laughs> <laughs> like, shucks i yeah. became
1: a sensation like yeah.
2: yeah oh well so anyway that yeah. was that term that kind of was also floating around um in a lot of the articles at the time and then, you know, in the articles that I was reading. Um, Let's see. This also kind of goes hand in hand. I thought with some of the like not so fun stereotypes of lesbians at the time that they were quote unquote murderous degenerates. Oh, according to the LA times blog. So um, the LA times blog article was really interesting, especially because the LA times was around back then. And so Mm. I was kind of laughing because I was like, is this blog article trying to make up for the fact that like, you guys wouldn't publish the word lesbian back then.
1: <laughs> I know. It's like the, making up for lost time, I guess.
2: Yeah. Let's see. Oh, and then this was where I brought in the black Dahlia. I started looking up the black Dahlia case. I forget why that like came up. I think it came up in one of the articles I read, but um, that maybe it was just the murderous degenerates. And then I started looking that up of like, how did that come about? That like, that was a, a thought process for le- lesbians. Mm-hmm. But um it apparently was because the LA Times was one. I think they were probably one of, but like there were so many. Um, There's so much media coverage around the Black Dahlia case, and one of the big rumors was that Elizabeth Short, the victim, was a lesbian, and that played oh. a big role in the the news coverage of it at the time. I don't know if it if that's true or not, but
1: oh, I don't know.
2: Um, but Christine did cover the Black Dahlia case on episode three. I looked that up. Yes, so yes. Go Yesterday. to that one shout out to that and
1: Christine and Christine and also my episode guide. You
2: can check it out on our website. (laughs) That's exactly. I got it from the episode guide on the, just on the website. Yeah. (laughs) Even though I have like a really detailed spreadsheet, like other places. I I know it's like going to the website. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: appreciate you.
2: I worked really hard on it. So (laughs) no, it's your, I know it's your thing. I, I use it. I use it too. Thank you. (laughs) So then I did like even more digging. I think I went back like, maybe a little bit too far, but this felt, also felt like context to me in terms of like queer history. The Black Deli case had just happened 10 years before.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. And so that's why like, I think some of the, those. Terms, it got
1: referenced.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then also in the 1950s, something else was happening called the Lavender Scare. Have you heard of this?
1: Oh, not enough to explain it. I think I just actually learned about this on TikTok.
2: Oh no way. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, so so what is it? Wait, am I a TikToker? Is that did I just become? Sure.
1: <laughs> hey, you're a podcaster, so, you know,
2: well, why
1: not? You're also a true crime expert as of right now, <laughs> between the two of us.
2: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, um, what's the
1: what's the, the lavender scare?
2: Yeah, the lavender scare. So, basically it was happening around the same time as the red scare. Um, which was the the um, sort of, mo- quote unquote, like modern day witch hunt in terms of like trying to find and or accuse people of being communists and okay. like blacklisting them basically or firing them from their jobs, that kind of thing, whether or not they were communists. Um, that was obviously a huge thing here in um, the entertainment industry as well, with like blacklisting people because of the Red Scare. So the Lavender Scare was basically the same thing, except instead of communism, it was queerness it's so right. it was happening like side by side and also it feels kind of telling to that like i didn't hear about the lavender scare i only heard about the red scare and yeah yeah like, you know text sounds like and stuff.
1: maybe the red scare was a bigger deal at the time than yes being
2: queer yes yes um why so, lavender i don't know actually i think maybe maybe because of is lavender
1: our, the, our color is that what supp- i'm supposed to know about
2: I feel like is there like a, an association with purple, maybe?
1: Is lavender gay? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How lavender became a symbol of LGBTQ resistance. Oh, oh. okay. So there is a there is a, a thing about it. And lavender, a subtle hue that shifts between light pinkish purples and gray bluish tones.
2: Oh, Oh, interesting. Very and fun. So it's feels... kind of a
1: catch-all color. It's a catch-all.
2: Got it. Got it. It does also make me feel extra good about my lavender tattoo here that I've had for a while.
1: <laughs> wow, that was manifesting.
2: Telling, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the lavender scare basically is the red scare, but it was more, um, I think it was more confined to the government specifically trying to out and fire people. Their whole like thought process on it was like they're going to be a security risk to the government, and so get sure. them yeah, out of here. Um, so then, with that context, it kind of—I don't know—I feel like all of that. I just wanted to know like the background of when the story was happening. So it's like it's already illegal. The the lavender scare is happening. The lavender scare is happening. The black Dahlia case just happened, where lesbians were like basically either like victim blamed for like being yeah, like if the black Dahlia like. Maybe they were like, "Oh, she like ran with unsavory people, <laughs> right? Right? right. <laughs> kind of thing." So, like, God, I can't imagine what that was like being queer then. Like, it just mm. seems very scary. But obviously, this is another point where <laughs> murder still equals bad. So, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> However, it happened. Joan and Goldine did decide to murder Peter together, aka Goldine, to do it herself, um, presumably to set Betty free from this vile evil man that they have kind of drummed up and again i don't want to say that with like too much i don't know jokiness because like who knows peter could have been ab- excuse me abusing her but like on the other side of the scale right he could have been like, could have just been
1: like a just dating your ex and you didn't mm-hmm. like it yeah it could have yeah the the potential range of Every character in this
0: is a sliding
1: scale of like he could be really bad and she could be so innocent or like yeah. she was totally involved in this and he meant enough. I mean
2: it could be so many things. The Could have been he could have been the amazing gay hairdresser that like
1: He could have been know. the amazing straight hairdresser, which That's true too. Separately amazing. <laughs> um separately amazing. It could really there's just basically this is a really nice skeleton of a story. It and is. Like, it's I a know. very nice bare bones.
2: Yeah, I know. As I like did it and then was like too committed to it, I was like, ah, uh, I'm
1: no, this is a, why people
2: haven't done it. <laughs> it's
1: a no, it's a great story. It's worth telling for sure. It's just all yeah. these people, like we have no idea what the circumstances were.
2: Yeah, I know. And especially like, you know, wanting to be so sensitive to everyone's like Identities and yeah. preferences and things like that too. Like I feel like it does. It's like more than just like a. It the, somehow
1: became more vague over time yeah. because now it's not just that it was like a potential gay man and a bunch of lesbians. It was like <laughs> we have no idea what was going on. Like we, uh, who yeah. knows? So
2: oh my gosh, the like I, when you said that it just threw me to um, the uh, the shots of Billy Eichner just running down. The let's, street go, street. <laughs> no, let's, go, let's go lesbians. Let's go lesbians. Let's go lesbians. <laughs> God, he loves lesbians. <laughs> he sure does. Okay. So, um, okay, murder equals bad. However happened, um, yeah, they Peter was murdered and um both Joan and Goldine were arrested for the murder within weeks. Like as soon as they found the gun okay. they brought them both in. Um sure. and arrested. Do we both know of them? who
1: outed them? Who like about no. the gun? Not their being gay.
2: No. <laughs> I know, (laughs) gotta gotta specify in the story. (laughs) No, so we don't know who the, that's like another thing that I was like, yet another vague point that is super crucial to like knowing more about the story, but like we don't know who who tips, tips them off.
1: And also there wasn't a casing on the bullet, So how were they able to match it up or is this just a random gun and they assumed or
2: no. So I think, I think none of the articles said this, but a little bit later um, I do have a bullet point about how, so basically the the backstory of how, of what happened between Joan and Goldine, it's like just down here in like a second, but the September before, like ha- before Halloween that year, um, Joan had given Goldine money to go buy a gun at a gun shop in Pasadena, hmm. and so Goldine had bought the gun, had kept the gun with her, and when she bought the gun, she actually only bought two bullets.
1: Oh, jeez. Okay, but so
2: my thought is because she only used one of the bullets, the other bullet was probably still in the gun.
1: Ah, uh, so they okay. maybe
2: matched bullets. I'm guessing.
1: Oh, okay. Wow.
2: Potentially. I don't know that. That wasn't in anything, so that's also wild speculation. Like a detective just there. Oh my god, thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) Inspector Gross, you know. (laughs) If I'd like to be called anything, it would be Inspector Gross, please. (laughs) Okay, so... Um, yeah, so basically the backstory then, so as soon, honestly, as soon as they were arrested, Goldine immediately is like, I did it. Here's everything that you need to know about it. Let me just confess every single thing right now.
1: Gotcha.
2: So that's when they start getting all the information about like Joan telling Goldine how terrible Peter is. Like, and then she immediately starts being like, Joan manipulated me. Like I did, I wouldn't have done that except for Joan, like all of this stuff. She put a spell over me. Oh, to convince me to yeah wow. to murder Peter,
1: that's really turning into like gay witchcraft, which is another uh, fun conversation. We have. a fun conversation. Yeah, <laughs> wait, can you cover that? <laughs> I'll you know, gay witchcraft sounds like something that would be very fun to cover. Although, like, just talk about like putting a like a bad taste in everyone's mouth about being gay and yes. witchcraft at the same time, and that like one can cause the other. Like it's yikes that's yeah no that's very true yeah definitely it, feeding into the bad tropes
2: of like you can make someone gay and all that yes oh my god there were that's so true and like right true throughout this too it feels like there were so many tropes too like you know and definitely immediately as um they start confessing and then it is also i think in the at this point where Goldine says that joan and betty were lovers mm. and that's why they uh-huh were so close and that Joan was, you know, still hung up on Betty, all of that. Again, it's like hard to know because of like, you know, that it was illegal and they were trying to not, you know, get that out in court or, you know, Goldine was maybe trying to save her own self. Yeah. Don't know. Um, but apparently they, yeah, like I said, they talked a lot about killing Peter together. They put their plan into action on Halloween when basically Joan, Again, it's I keep saying it, I'm so sorry to keep being like it's so unclear, but <laughs> Goldine spoke, like said things in court. Um, Joan never did and Betty never did. So it's oh. maybe hearsay from Goldine. Gotcha.
1: Okay.
2: But Goldine did say that like Joan is the mastermind. Joan came up with the whole plan. Joan said that Halloween would be best because someone walking down the street in a costume wouldn't be
1: right. Weird at all, yeah.
2: Exactly um they could have the bag the gun in a bag and it wouldn't look too weird that kind of thing um oh and so yeah that's where i have the the joan um gave goldine the money to buy the gun at the gun shop um goldine told the clerk that it was for home safety and only bought the two bullets which i feel mm. like is very i presumptuous. T- i
1: definitely think it's presumptuous and that like i if i were to murder someone i'm pretty sure i would not do it right the first time. Like, I would... I'd get more than two bullets. Like, that's pretty confident right. in your killing if you've never done it before.
2: That's what I thought. Yeah, I feel like anything I get, like, a million of because I want to build in a million mistakes. Or maybe they were of... thinking,
1: like, you only get two shots, literally, and then, like, if you messed up, at least there's no more evidence of other ammo or something. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I don't that's know. A good point. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Either way, so interesting. That's why... Well, actually, I guess that's not... So, I don't know why they didn't find the other shell casing that was actually fired. Um, huh. I don't know if maybe... I mean, it seems far-fetched to think Goldie might have picked that up, or maybe... Maybe. More, uh, realistically, it just ended up somewhere else, like, either they outside They just didn't or, look
1: hard enough. I don't yeah,
2: know. <laughs> they just didn't find it. Um, so, that's why, um, yeah, with the initial scene, then they didn't find the shell casing that initially led them in a different direction. Um... So, yeah, then the night of the murder, Joan dressed Goldine in the costume, drove her to Fabiano's house in a car they borrowed from their friend. Poor friend.
1: (laughs) Yo, maybe that
2: was the friend who tipped tipped the cops off. Oh, honestly, though, maybe. Oh, that's so interesting. I never thought of that. Yeah, that person is definitely, like, on the list of people who could have tipped them off. Yeah. 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 Um, And then, yeah, uttering that line that I was like, Oh God, like them sitting in the car and Joan being like, all right, go do it. Like now's the time. Yeah, truly. So Goldine also said in her confession that she was so nervous that her hands were shaking. That's why she was like holding the gun with both hands because she couldn't even like hold herself steady.
1: Yeah, like which makes me think this was definitely her first time and also she was wildly hesitant. And so I also personally am falling onto the side of like, she did this in hopes that it would like impress the person she liked
2: Yeah, and
1: she did not like see the like clear as day. Like, why does she want you to do this to your, to her partners or her ex partner's partner? It, yeah. it It feels like it was like some version of manipulation.
2: Yes. Yeah. So. It definitely starts to feel like that for sure. And like the more that, Goldine, like especially her, like immediately confessing and immediately trying to like explain herself as best she could. Like, I feel like that definitely and some of the quotes later too um are very like, yeah, she's just kind of like I think in one of the quotes later, she's like, I've always been really impressionable and like this kind of is another hmm. thing of that. Fast forward to the trial, Goldine pled not guilty in front of a grand jury by reason of insanity. Um, and then it might have, honestly, like some sources said, um, they weren't really sure what Joan had initially pled, but actually on my birthday, March 11th, Hey-o. Uh, but of 1958, I am not that old, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're 59. I am 59. Um, they both pled guilty to second degree murder, taking a plea deal down from first degree or does it go that way? Basically down from first degree murder to second degree murder. Gotcha. And both they both ended up getting five years to life in prison. Like,
1: wow. Kind of a that's wide, a sweet. wild range.
2: Yeah. Um, a doctor did examine both Joan and Goldine, but like, I don't really trust him because patriarchy and homophobia. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm, yeah. Fair enough. But there was a quote, um, from, I think it was, Oh, deranged crimes deranged la crimes the blog put it like this "The quote a doctor who examined goldine characterized her as a passive person who became a handy tool or putty in the hands of mrs rabble joan Mm. so what goldine had to say for herself she said i had no motive personally whatever motive i had was to please joan i was Mm. always easily influenced i have been impressionable and always trusting wow at least she knows that about herself I mean, now she knows it extra, I feel she like. She knows it
1: all too well. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So they're both sentenced, five to five years to life in prison. Um, this later actually sparked a debate um, about the court system going, quote, light on women, oh. which that just was like, that came up in almost every article that like, it was a big thing at the time that then after that, there was like kind of a, um, like a, just a debate of people being like, you're too easy on women in court. Yeah, which I feel like is maybe the opposite now. I don't know. I feel like with like preconceived notions, it's mm. um, and like the patriarchy, all, all of that. Um, it's also let's see, where am I? Oh, it's also speculated that neither woman wanted to go to trial because homosexuality was illegal at the time. So they wanted to like keep it. T- they took the plea deal, obviously, just to like, sure, yeah. take that and nothing else. Sure. Sadly, little is known about the women after Peter's murder and accounts differ slightly, but it sounds like Goldine served some time and then was released at some point because by 1971, she was named an officer in the Miracle Mile chapter of the Professional Women's Club.
1: Whoa, okay.
2: Yeah. She died in Los Angeles in 1998 at 83. Betty apparently sold Peter's salons after he died. And one source I found said she remarried, but most said she didn't. Um, okay. And she passed away in Palm Desert in 1999 at the age of 81. And as for Joan, she was as elusive as ever. Not much was known of her. Like, people, like, literally sources would be, would be like, she stayed in prison the rest of her life. Goldine, too. Like, some sources were like, they both were in prison their whole lives, even though. Goldeen. Oh, wow.
1: So really just having a, yeah, just not clear at all.
2: Super not clear. Um, But also a lot of sources are like, but we think she got out and changed her name. Like there were oh. some speculations about that. Um, and then lastly, some sources say she lived out the rest of her, um, or speculate that she and Betty got back together and even suggest that Betty could have been in on it the whole time.
1: Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Twist. So
2: That's a twist. I know the vice article actually ends with most of us know what it is to the soap. All all quote most of us know what it is to love strongly to go through infatuation, obsession, and surrender. Sometimes that sort of love twists itself up. Did Betty love rabble Joan did the women ever reconnect? Did Betty play a role in her husband's murder? Sometimes the line between your thoughts and theirs fades away when that happens. there is only one way to explain ourselves. I did it for her
1: hmm, mm. okay,
2: yeah, so. Oh. That's the story of the trick-or-treat murders of
1: 1957. Jeez Louise. <laughs> wow. Well done, Eva.
2: Good job oh on gosh. your notes. Thank you so much. Yay! I felt like, I didn't realize how how super unclear everything was. Like, part of me was like, I as mean, I was reading it, I was like, oh my god, I know nothing about this.
1: That's part of the mystery, I guess. But it, it, yeah. it, you did a great job for, like, having minimal information so. oh thank
2: you and
1: a little trip through queer history and nice i little field trip <laughs>
2: thank Love you that. yeah that felt like a good little little road to go down to to bring some of that in yeah at the end
1: of the day we're all at least all a little more educated about yeah queer history yeah. uh wow well this is like shockingly a long episode i was not I expecting us to go for this long. it's like a two hour episode oh my gosh more i don't know
2: um so sorry i hmm. literally thought my notes would be like 20 minutes and here i am i spoke for so so long i'm so sorry i thought so too i looked
1: at my notes and i was like oh this will be a quick one what Mm -hmm. is wrong with me i don't know anymore (laughs) um hmm well thank you everyone i'm sure you are at your destination by now after a million years of listening to this episode uh I I come back next week for more Eva notes. Maybe it'll stay gay. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, and do you? I guess should we shout out where people can find you and
2: follow you, uh, Eva? Oh, sure. I'm just you gross on all the social media. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Um, yeah. And come
1: back again, uh, Christine. I'm sure you're listening to this. Uh, looking forward to your texts, although we'll have no idea what yes. you're talking about. Because Christine,
2: we love you. We miss you. I mean, the, the
1: baby at this point is like <gasps> even bigger and cuter than before. So, mm-hmm. um, Christine, I hope you're enjoying your maternity leave. And uh, hopefully, everyone is. Uh, Sticking with us, yeah. and uh, Eva will be back next week to hang out with us again. And yeah. that's it. Are you ready to do Christine's part?
2: Oh my god! Oh god, I'm not ready. Dialing Christine right now, hello? Okay. <laughs> no, no I, can do it. I can do it. And that's why we
1: drink. Yay, addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks.